0: Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. Sitting between a couple of our prize fighters in the blue corner, got my co-host, heavyweight of podcasting, Steve, the peach devil, Walsh. Hello. In the red corner, special guest, the challenger, strawweight Hassan, <laughs> a.k.a. the tootin' tussler. <laughs> Hello. i put it to the yeah, what your nickname should be, yeah. I'd already had the tootin' tussler. She said the Merton Mowgli. <laughs>
1: Hey, Fac factually, factually incorrect because I you know, I'm not from Merton and bit Mowgli. Come on.
2: A bit racist. Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh people don't know that you look exactly like Mowgli, <laughs> apart from the loincloth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, why are you wearing the cloth?
0: <laughs> My boxing nickname probably be the chief innit. Try and reclaim the word. Yeah. Jack Dut- the Chief McEnroe. Dutty Chief. Dutty Chief, yeah. Maybe sledgehammer fists.
2: Well, true story, and your dad'll appreciate this, um in he Daredevil. Uh, Matt Murdoch's dad is uh, a boxer. What's his mm. name? Uh,
0: I can't remember, man.
2: Think about what we're talking about. Your name. Mm. Uh, Jack Murdoch, uh, And his uh, uh. boxing name, Battling Jack Murdoch.
0: Uh-huh.
2: So uh-huh. Battling
0: bat- Jack a II. Don't work, does it? It Jack, works.
2: Remember in Tek- battling Jack.
0: Do you remember the character Jack in Tekken? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was often compared to him at school, man, because of my large fists. Jack 2, <laughs> they used to say. <laughs> Today we're talking about boxing... In South London, uh, I'm not into boxing in any way. Steve's watched a bit. I mean, he's Irish, so there is a, that sort of cultural background. <laughs> and Hassan is like well into his uh, fighting.
1: Yeah, a bit, a bit, yeah. Quite, quite well. Um,
2: you and... say a bit, but when we asked you to produce a list of <laughs> boxers to show, you listed every boxer from South London. It was uh, an imposing list. It was
0: overwhelming. Yeah. We're obviously not going to be able to cover every box that there's ever been in depth. You know, we will have to gloss over things. You know, it's a bit of a freestyle.
2: If you do think there's anyone significant we missed out, get in touch at SLHC on Twitter.
0: com is not a way to contact us, but that is our website.
2: You can comment on the show on there, I think. Oh, like, yeah, do that. Yeah? Yeah. Um, and, of course, um, SouthlandHardcore at gmail.co.uk. Dot com. <laughs> you can... Just cut the middle band. dot com. Let me finish. <laughs> While we were researching the Waterloo episode, was we looking at the cut in Southwark and the Ring Public House and read that the Marcus of Queensby wrote his famous rules mm-hmm. uh, above the pub in a room. And that sort of got us onto the idea of the significance of South London in boxing and boxers from South London. The Ring public house itself, obviously a very famous venue, even now.
1: I didn't realise it was still an active venue. It hasn't hosted a great deal of boxing um, of since late. post the Second World War. Yeah. Um, it's
0: not very big, is it? I mean, no, I used to no. get the bus to school and the bus used to stop at the bus stop and you could see in the window and there'd be people training up there, but it'd be a ring and, like, it was three yards away from the window, so you wouldn't be able to get many people in.
1: <laughs> well, um, I, I I think it... Um, Opened its doors, and well, it's the first fight took place there in in 1909, I believe. After Second World War, um, pretty much it was just a a place, a venue. It was known as a kind of notorious venue, more as a kind of tourist attraction. You can still, you can actually do classes there. Um, I think that's primarily how it makes a lot of its money. Um, and unfortunately, as as was sort of well documented, uh, Michael Norgrove recently passed away after a bout at that very same venue which has brought a lot of negative press in terms of boxing, and there's been, as you can imagine, many articles, and there's been a renewed call to ban boxing as such, which is probably, a, a, I'd, I'd imagine, as somebody who, as, who's very pro-boxing, as as now, I think it's a healthy thing to have opposition, and it's... It's worth having it's, a debate, isn't it? If yeah, someone's died, yeah, you need to look at what's happening and, and examine what Was it
2: a professional fight?
1: Yeah, 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 it was a, a fight that... Um, uh, he was actually leading. He was, I think he'd won every round. He'd downed his opponent. So it's It's just goes to show how, how sort of certain injuries. I mean, the boxing the British Boxing Board Control has really upped its game in terms of safe fighter safety. I think Britain is sort of very at the very top, um, especially Pope, what, after what happened to Michael uh, Watson after his second bout with uh, with Chris. Is he the guy
0: who's sort of um, disabled now? Yeah. he's he's well, he ran a he's, marathon like kind of tiptoed it he, yeah. it's
1: remarkable the the extent of his recovery is remarkable because he was to- he, he had been told by specialists that he'd never walk again yeah he was in a coma for four months um oh, the right. treatment of him after his injuries was outrageous uh he did not get oxygen he was not seen by a doctor for about seven minutes he was taken to a hospital which didn't have a neurosurgery department you know it was pretty scandalous the treatment of him <laughs> So it was a
0: bit of a sort of Hillsborough moment?
1: Well, it was a, it was a landmark was it? moment because he successfully uh, sued uh, the British Board of Control for a large... While he was in a coma? After having uh, recovered sufficiently, he sued them. They, he actually won a, a figure of a million pounds, which caused them to close their London offices, um, I wow. believe. Uh, he could have actually, he could have bankrupted them. He could have them. cleaned them out, He yeah. could have bankrupted them, but he chose not to out right. of love for the sport and... Yeah. Uh, but ever since then, we've been very, very well. We've, in terms of fighter safety, to the extent where there is something now known as the British stoppage worldwide, where lots of fights recently have been stopped. Well, in a very prematurely, and this is after all fighters have taken one or two clean shots. I mean, we obviously we don't want to see anybody hurt or injured. But and we've all idea, seen Rocky Four, haven't we? <laughs> we? We have. But for instance, I mean, just veering from the South London element, certain. Bouts that have taken stateside very prominent, um, Juan Manuel Marquez and Manny Pacquiao won, where Marquez was floored three times in the first round. I mean, that would have been stopped in a British ring. And we've seen that on countless occasions, fights being stopped at a very early stage. to the, And it's something that is talked about widely in the boxing community. And it's something that's near it, the standard British refereeing has been scrutinised quite a lot recently. And yet so.
2: before... Uh, the Michael Screensy rules and and earlier boxing rules it's unrecognisable as a sport isn't it in terms of you know there's nothing in terms of safety there's nothing in terms of welfare you know you read about bouts that went on for like 80 to 100 Mm. rounds or wouldn't have Mm. rounds Mm. they just like they would just fight until someone fell
1: yeah yeah it's I mean even even in the professional era when we're considering another argument that uh, is always uh, ongoing and I don't think they'll you'll ever see one camp Admit defeat is whether professionals and boxers today are actually superior uh, to the boxers of fold I mean, in most sports, you accept with kind of nutrition and scientific advances, and, and and you know, sort you've got a superior athlete today, and it's often mm-hmm. said, well, could Pele cut it in today's kind of you know sort of. It'd be a riot, right, right. Hell, a Hello, On, on a, wet, <laughs> in a wet night in Stoke, etc., etc., or Blackburn, wherever. Well, that is, go
0: to Stoke on a wet night is not a... That's not There's no measure of anything, it? is it? No. no. No,
1: How will he react to being uh, systematically fouled? Yeah. Probably badly. <laughs> I, I remember when people were saying, can Andrei Shevchenko do... He's from the Ukraine. Yeah. <laughs> but any, anyhow, boxing is the only sport where the amount uh, that... Um, in, if you look in cricket and football, the amount there that... Cr- there actually, in terms of playing time, is increased exponentially but now boxers fight far fewer you know it's boxers it was a profession it was something that people thought when you look at a fighter's career progression today and you think it's got a very if you're a prospect all right you have five ten fights against journeyman, then you'll fight for an area title then a british title there's 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 some sort of logic there, but previously you look at Boxrec and you go, "Why is he fighting a guy who's six, eight, and one?" And then you saw, and he's he's lost. He's fought like three times in three weeks. Well, he needed to he needed to eat. That's that's yeah, why yeah, you know. Yeah. There was of... no four month build up. To, uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah.
0: and just going over to get used to the uh, altitude.
1: And think about it. You, you see, <laughs> there were fights that went twenty rounds. Sid yeah. Smith, as such, I think he's about yeah. against. Yeah, his first few bats went twenty rounds, and it was even. When uh, Bruno, who we'll talk about, the, I'm sure, in great depth, lost his fight uh, to Tim Witherspoon, which he was leading, it was it was a 15-round fight. Yeah, you know, this which one, I Why exactly. so. yeah. well, is it now, 12? It's 12 now, and there are, there are also the, the condition of change where you now have uh, sort of um, a 48-hour kind of... Well, the, the, the wanes take place the day before the bout, so you have a sufficient period for fighters to rehydrate. So that's also changed, so... I, I, again, boxing is the only sport where they they fight with less regularity, and the type the amount of time has diminished as well. So, probably
2: the biggest change in boxing from its earliest form to the form today, gloves. the addition of gloves. Yeah, mm. I mean, I, I was looking at bare knuckle fighters. I could only find one. What on your way South in? No. <laughs> Out of the bus window. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Dick Curtis, who was born in uh, 1802 and died in 1843, not quite, yeah, quite quite young. Uh, and died um, whilst uh, from injury sustained whilst sparring. Sparring. Which is remarkable. You know, the idea... You're not supposed to get stayed... injured when
0: you're
1: sparring. Yeah? No, yeah. well, it depends. It so... can
2: happen, but the idea of a fatal, fatal injury occurring mm. through sparring is, you know, impossible to imagine nowadays, isn't it? He was known as uh, the Pet of the Fancy, which oh. is a wonderful nickname, isn't it? Yeah,
0: big fan of boxing nicknames. I mean, as said earlier, I'm not a boxing fan. I do find it... Uh a bit brutal. I mean, you mentioned someone dying in the ring recently, kind of, uh,
1: first fatality. Them. And so I know yeah, it, it, it exactly. doesn't make it any no, better for, the, no, no, for but it's, it's not. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it
0: does, but it is a strong, I mean, people, more people have died playing football since then. professionally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's incredible.
1: Um, well, just, well, in terms of in Britain, obviously we're much in terms of regulations. We, we don't allow, um, we, you have to be 18 to turn professional. It's not the same in a lot of the world. In Thailand, there was recently, a. a uh, a young fighter who pe- passed away i think he was 17 he was in the ring with a 28 year old and in terms of phys- physical maturation you can see that there's a big there's a lot of difference oh, of between bullshit, a 28 year old and 17 year old it was actually quite distressing to watch because it is there on youtube if any mm. if you want Are you to you powers for it well, <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> a lot of boxing fans um can be i I don't want to be too critical no, but they have can be
0: no man we're not putting your last name on it oh, really, yeah
1: well <laughs> They can be downright childish yeah. and moronic. Uh, because sure there's thing, a lot of sort is... of
0: braying for blood as well. Kill
1: him. I'm yeah. sure you get that
0: yeah. out of the side of the ring, man.
1: Well, there was there, there was a quote where... I, I, I'm probably going to completely mess it up, but here goes. Um, Float like a butterfly. The, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the poetry of heroism uh, appeals irresistibly to those who don't have to go to war. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's... We become, and I, I include myself in this, when I'm I'm getting excited watching other people go through a large amount of pain when somebody when a boxer when jim Watt or when adam smith remarks oh he's hurt his legs have gone what you there is somebody has actually been so hard hurt, hit so hard that they they Their cease to function, function properly, properly. Yeah, and yeah. we become desensitized to what we're watching when when you said you know when we call it the hurt game you're yeah. not actually thinking in terms of wow well, you know the, the yeah the, uh, the amount of abuse that people are, are putting them through for your for your enjoyment there's so. this
0: great line right in uh Wayne Alexander versus Takaloo. Apparently that's his whole name. <coughs> um, comment, who's the Scottish commentator? Jim Watt. Jim Watt. Yeah. He goes, uh, that must have shaken his brain tremendously. Oh. <laughs> Straight out of the Alan Partridge handbook.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Accidental Partridge, isn't yeah, yeah. it? I, I imagine it was factually correct. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was... Yeah, he was as, on the floor. You know. As uh, Wayne, Wayne Alexander was probably one of the... Well, you know, certainly in the top five hardest hitters, I'd say, to emerge in the last couple of decades. He might never have won a world title. He could well have done in a... if he, he, His only world title opportunity came against, uh, uh, I think, Simon, Simon Brown. Um, it, and he took it on, I believe, 48 or even 24 hours notice. Which right. is never ideal. You always want your prep time. Oh, I'm not. I'm not suggesting in this day and age where Ricky Burns, a current uh, WBO lightweight champ, uh, champion, turned down a fight with Adrian Broner because he wanted, I think, a, a 10 to 12 week training. I'm not wow. suggesting it. So exactly. You can where's see where's Wayne Alexander to, from? He's from Tooting, but I think he's raised in Croydon. He's born in Tooting. I think he's born in St George. He's not called the Tooting Tussler, is he? No, he hasn't been <laughs> taken. As you, can you know what? It 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 no, it's, no, print. Print. Yeah. He, it's uh, Alexander the Great, which I think oh, it's kind yeah. of yeah also works
2: yeah Dick Curtis although uh, he fought before what we think of as professional boxing was elected into the International Boxing Hall of Fame as a pioneer another pioneer would be Sid Smith
1: yeah the, uh, the first winner of the uh, Lonsdale belt uh, flyweight I believe he was also quite an uh, illustrious amateur as well I think he um, he made, he was an, an ABA champion if I'm not mistaken fast feet uh, IBU well an IBU the Box rec recognizes him as a world champion, but the IBU at the time were uh, sanctioning world title fights, but they they were a, a European body and they were in opposition with the uh, national boxing association. Uh, uh, well, the, the NBA, B- uh, the MB- yeah, they they were known as the <laughs> NBA, uh, who later became the WBA, who still are. A- uh, a problem. One of one of the four major sanctioning bodies. That now exist. there's
2: WWE because of the uh, World Wildlife Fund. You
0: just keep talking about boxing,
2: then. <laughs> so but, th- but this is part, another problem with boxing now, is yeah. The fragmentation of the world's titles is ridiculous. Isn't it?
1: I mean, there are currently four that I think most most networks and that's most it. magazines recognise, which are being the, the the WBC and the WBA, which are kind of the, the, the historic and the most prestigious, even though they're prob. They, they, they do. Uh, they do take the piss. Quite frankly, quite a. Lot. Sorry, can I?
0: Can't do an episode without swearing.
1: <laughs> they have several titles, as well as their uh, bona fide um, world titles. They also have silver titles, regular titles, interim titles, international. You know, uh, and it's very confusing for the the average man who doesn't follow the sport regularly, who doesn't by the magazines, to know who is a legitimate world champion. Uh, It's often Ricky Hatton's WBU reign was often sold to the Mancunian public as genuine world title fights. The WBU, I think, do exist now after having a period of where I think they went in they, they ceased to kind of sanction bouts. They had one champion at one point. I think they kind of exist in a very inactive, you know, sanctioning bouts every now and again. But at their pomp, when... Was trying to. I probably shouldn't mention his name. He's very litigious. We definitely will cut that out. When certain British promoter, he is, he is very litigious. So <laughs> he listening to this? <laughs> he, uh, for a yeah. comment posted on a forum, he contact his lawyers contacted somebody. He, Brilliant. yes, he, he actually does <laughs> uh, m- notice what he posted. Yeah, the, the IBU who've now become have sort of evolved into the EBU who are a, a, a regional as it were. well. So oh, EB, the European, they're the uh, sort of the European uh, board, uh, who, and they're an affiliate of the WBC. So, uh...
0: <laughs> do you think you've got all your all your board talk out there? So, <laughs> is this,
1: is this boring the hell out? Well, well no, it's just,
0: the, it can't go on, can it?
1: Well, <laughs> Sid Smith. Some people in some quarters he's recognised a world champion. In some quarters he isn't. I'd probably say he's generally tended not to to be regarded as.
2: But for, for, for our purposes, the significance is he's the inaugural winner of the, of the flyweight. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, long one, of, belt. one of the eight traditional weights, of course, as well. Was I
0: correct in calling you a straw weight? do you think?
1: Um, when the I lowest was... weight I could find, I said. Yeah, well, I... It's I only,
0: and it only exists in some I mean, bobbies, you know. If,
1: w- this time last year I was, yeah. So, Oh, uh, you're trying to move up a
0: weight?
1: <laughs> no, now because I've been eating... Um, serves four apple pies and probably more like a... I'm probably more a flyweight or a super fly. Junior
0: flyweight, come on.
1: (laughs) Super fly for it. (laughs) And is
0: Steve a heavyweight, would you say? Does height come into it?
2: No. No, 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 That's the interesting thing. Mm -hmm. Like, heavyweight, and we'll talk about that in terms of the David Haye value of fight. Uh, once you
1: once you get to heavyweight, there's no, 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 no. super heavyweight. Well, this is why the cruiserweight uh, weight category was created initially because fighters were getting bigger and bigger with nutrition and modern diets. I mean, if you look at the steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm I'm gonna put that remark down to Jack Jack. There, the boxers who come out of Eastern Europe, the Klitschko's, uh, Valuyev, uh, dimitencro they're all they're all in Just excess of them up now, isn't <laughs> isn't it? Ivan Drago. Uh, <laughs> Pavetkin's a slightly smaller build comparatively, but they're all in the region of two hundred thirty-five plus two hundred forty pounds. Even a guy like Sosnowski, the Pol- he from Poland, he's he's in that kind of weight category. And you think thinking the Pride, you know, sort of Ali um, Liston, mm. Foreman. I mean, Foreman was a bit bigger than the others, but Norton. They're all around the two ten to. 2'15", kind what, of. Yeah, what would
0: I be, man? I don't have to work out. I'm what, 13 how, stone would, and 11.
1: You would be a cruiserweight. So, well, yeah. I'd
0: beef up, man. Get the. there. I want to beat up Hay. <laughs> <laughs> he's got upperweight upper
1: division. Yeah, exactly. So he's dodged you. Is there, so is there a super you. cruiserweight? No, no. It go, goes It um, goes light heavy, cruiserweight, and then heavyweight. S- Sid, <clears> Sid
2: Smith was the inaugural winner of the yeah, Lonsdale um, flyweight belt. Yeah. Uh, and Lonsdale boats were awarded to a fighter who... Defend
1: successfully defends their title twice. Is that correct? Uh, well, initially um, it was twice, so you had to win three bouts. But yeah, yeah, you know, it was initially twice. After so you I win think... the
2: title, defend it twice, and you get the Lons exactly.
1: Lonsdale belt. And they originally were twenty-two karat gold, and mm. you know, porcelain. They cost a lot of money. Mm. Even today, the Lonsdale belt costs in the region of eight grand to manufacture. They're nine karat gold today. They take about forty hours to just craft. Or you know, it's it's a real work of art. They're hand painted, but that this is why. I mean, there are many reasons why many people believe the 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 number of, the number of outright wins was increased from three to four. Many people put it down to the British Board of Control needing more in terms of financing because since losing, they had to pay out a large fee to to Michael Watson, and it does to to manufacture a belt belt that costs eight grand and give it away after four successful belts. Uh, it, you know, I mean, it, it up still, up it still, it still only, adds up. Even only after for some
0: boxers to just sell it on when they go bankrupt. And
1: it happens very rarely, if you believe it or not. I mean, well, I mean, we'll no. come
0: to the well, the one case I'm thinking of. Anyway,
1: okay, it? but uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah.
2: Bombardier Billy Wells won a Lonsdale boat in 1911. He's not from South London, no. but his belt is actually kept at the Royal Artillery Barracks in Woolwich.
1: Mm. Whereas oh, he, uh, it's not on
2: general. Well, he was Australia. stationed there. Yeah? Uh, I think it's just he was. Uh, in the Artillery Corps. Yeah. So, oh, that would have gone nice in that medal room, wouldn't it? Wouldn't yeah, it would not great, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? Well, is there any reason why it wouldn't be on display for general Public? I think rules. just because it got so much stuff, do you think? Possibly. But I mean, that's, you know, a lot. Yeah, people would uh, want to see that, wouldn't yeah.
1: they? Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, are, are, there, are there any that you know of that are on display anyway?
1: No, no, I think a lot of them are in private collections. Right. I mean... um It sounds like it would be remarkable.
2: Obviously, you can see photographs, but it sounds like it would be a remarkable thing to see. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I I think it's the most, and I think most British box fans are biased in this respect. But I I genuinely think it's the most beautiful belt out there. There, it's even as red, white, and blue.
2: You know, I'm still intrigued by (laughs) it.
1: It's, uh, it's the. Other than that, I mean, the ring magazine is also quite uh, aesthetically pleasing belt, and it's got kind of similar kind of you know motif. And but. For me, the Lonsdale belt, and it being the older stuff, it's kind mm. and it's steeped in history, as it were. So, uh, I mean, um, they still, e- even now, as I said, that na- nine carat, they still st- fetch a pretty penny when they're when the one when the odd one appears on eBay. You know, I think Randy Turpin's is that the one you were thinking of? No, it was no. Amy Cooper. Okay, Ren- well, of course, Randy Turpin's went for twenty-three grand, and it was uh, one of the one of the uh, Lonsdale belts issued by the BB uh, British Boxing Board of Componsor. So, a
2: Lonsdale belt has turned up on eBay. Another winner of a Lonsdale belt, Matt Wells. From Woolworth. Shout out, it? to the walworth crew. Born in 1886, dies in 1953.
0: 1914, world welterweight champion. So I jumped in there, was going to say something else. That's right. Stitch him up, innit. Uh,
2: four consecutive ABA lightweight titles. That's, that's significant, that's, isn't it? That sounds like a lot. I mean, I, this thing, I know so little I about I don't know boxing. what these letters mean. No, but four consecutive, when you read that, you know, that's...
1: Yeah, yeah, it's that's yeah, I mean um the record is 10 I believe uh t- or in fact I'm, I uh, I might have I might be it might be it might it's um but that, to win to win four shows a level of dedication and you don't often see it today because fighters often turn professional after um just the one once a lot I mean David Hay not even wasn't even a champion, for example. Frank Bruno turned professional after 21 amateur bouts. He was the youngest ever at the time, youngest ever ABA winner. So you do not see that level of sort. You don't in Britain. You still see it in certain parts, like in the Ukraine, where you see professional amateurs. Ooh, I mean, I know it's uh, sort of, but you, you don't get that in Britain. Amateurism. You see. You see it. You see it, uh, as soon as somebody's 18, a sort of a prodigy, they'll turn. They'll turn you it's very rarely... You, David Price i think was a long term is as a, a long term amateur but it's, it's yeah it's pretty unique
2: his uh, world title win is a, a 20 round decision in the end 20 rounds of people just uh hitting yeah
0: Violence, that's after 20 rounds. That's what you want to see, He, isn't it? he
2: uh, also competed in the 1908 Olympics in mm. London. Um, he's eliminated in the quarterfinals, but he loses the man who eventually wins gold. Mm. So there's no disgrace there. Yeah, we
0: it. didn't pick him up with the, with the, the well, Olympic uh, episode, did we? I think
2: it was more, we well, didn't win anything. Yeah. We were going for medals. Or, or we, we were going people to who competed, who were from South London, who competed in South London. The yeah. boxing didn't play Oh, and course, and So, yeah.
1: Without yeah. wanting to sort of undermine the achievements of. Uh, Matt Wells, or any of the other gold uh, Olympians who were, it was in terms of travelling, it wasn't as sort of it oh, wasn't a course. global yeah, game, know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even like the when you watch w- when World Cup, when you like, watch, yeah. Wimbledon, well, even the
0: 1950 World Cup, is, or when yeah. you see
1: all the Wimbledon stats, and you go, Oh, we were great at tennis at one point, we just <laughs> <getting> <laughs> cleaned up, <laughs> you know, sort of. And then that changed with the advent. Well, it's funny when you look at those, those early
2: Wimbledon winners, uh, <clears throat> residents, yeah.
1: and they all had names like Bunny. And uh, All Lord. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <Bunny> Lord. Yeah. Bunny <laughs> Lord. 1923, the British heavyweight champion was Frank Goddard from Clapham.
1: Yeah, he had, uh, in terms of his stats, it, it, what would seem a pretty unremarkable career uh, 18 and 10. Uh, In today's day, he'd be regarded as kind of with a with a record like that. That's kind of an area level at best. People would sneer at it. However, he did journeyman. He did exactly, but he did have you know he did mm -hmm. you know have three Lonsdale wins to his name. You know, not to be sneered at. And in his last bout, which is probably uh, quite significant in terms of, he lost to a chap called Phil Scott, who was known rather by the rather derogatory nickname in the stateside as fainting Phil Scott. And he was kind of seen as a template for a. Kind of a lousy British heavyweight contender, and to the point, it, this this stuck. This idea of Britain not producing sort of elite level fighters or even quality fighters. Because he did a heavy ones Yeah, it continued because um, during I, I for the purpose of I've, I've watched it a dozen times, but just I never need an excuse to watch Honey and Curry, uh, one of the finest wins by a British fighter. But they there you go. They were they were mentioning fainting Phil Scott and the reputation of British fighters and. Uh, and obviously, Hamegan, uh, you know, upset the form book and sort. Of, and over the years, that people have, we we provided. Unfortunately, in heavyweight, we have been known for providing kind of plucky, brave, courageous, but ultimately losing. Uh, Did you say
0: easy. in British in heavyweight boxing or in all sports? <laughs>
1: in, in I will contest that in all sports because we've had a very successful decade.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's the rowing,
1: I suppose. Uh, Cyclists. We <laughs> won a rugby world cup. Won a Cricket World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We not we all produced, sports, but... We yeah. produced two Formula One world champions, several boxing world champions, several athletes, won gold medals. I'm running out of steam. Cycling. yeah, yeah. Uh, Tour de Higgins. France. go. Yeah, as he's... speaking of Lonsdale, on not it? Yeah. Yeah, he's a so, modern
0: uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how prestigious the Empire Games were. Did they precede the Commonwealth Games? Yeah. Yeah. In 1934... Dave McCleve, uh from Battersea, who've boxed at the Lynn um on Wells Way, you know, yeah, joined yeah. onto the library. Still going strong, isn't it? We're well, still going. Um he won gold. I'll put him into the British Pathé website to see like if there was anything. There's a bit of newsreel footage from the fifties I suppose of him running a pub in Camberwell and it's the Union Tavern on Camberwell New Road oh, do you right. know it obviously uh, yeah. Co-op yeah. and it's not like an Italian restaurant but it's still got all this old signage Yeah, so the planted, Union Tavern yeah. and he's got like a boxing ring upstairs and the commentary on the thing is like it's the, most, the strangest pub in Britain you know it's a <laughs> black ring upstairs never mind the fact the ring is a pub with a boxing ring upstairs <laughs> but there's this great footage of like these two six year olds just like properly hitting each other <laughs> like what? that's when I kind of thought maybe I
2: could <laughs> get into boxing <laughs>
0: <laughs> Globs, yeah, but that's on... Steve will put that on the website, com. British middleweight champion some point in the 40s or 50s. Albert Finch from Croydon. He was an amateur at the Lynn as well. And just looking at his fights, I mean, I'm quite ignorant about boxing anyway, but he just the amount of bathhouses he fought in was... Like, he fought a man of place baths, which is in Woolworth, which kind of piques my interest. Greenwich baths, Beckenham baths, Plumstead baths, but... I had no idea. That's like was I mean, it's perfect, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, because you've got got showers in there. Yeah, exactly.
2: And you've got the seating around it, haven't you? You've got the sort of observation point for uh, spectators. But yeah, it never occurred to me until looking at this how many, not obviously, uh, not today, but in the sort of uh, mid twentieth century, how much was happening in swimming baths? Just, uh, but I I imagine it would have been uh, wrestling as well, wouldn't it? It would have been. the other thing. But um looking at the sort of records of fighters from the time, it does seem like it was two and bars, um other sporting arenas. So you've got like the Streatham Ice Arena. But again, it's a similar setup, isn't it? You've got space in the middle and you've got seating around it. Sellers Park, space in the middle, seating around it. That's the setup you need for a a, a boxing ring, isn't well, it? Well David Hayes' last fight was at West Hams
0: Ground, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah. Um it's a very like it's a movable
1: feast i think i think large uh sections of upton park were uh cordoned off though because i uh, there's no way i you know yeah play.
0: like on match days they can't set out <laughs> <are you? laughs>
2: um, top all in over the uh, seat uh the clapham grand as well which i never knew
1: you, you'd be surprised by what kind of venues we still have there's there's still bouts at like the tooting leisure center and right. uh leisure centers are still a, a popular for small hall shows i mean um London. The, the primary primary venue in London is York Hall and Bethnal Green. That's kind of like the Mecca. That's it's got a lot of history. It's a beautiful building. Going back going back a decade, about a decade since the start. Yeah, since about two thousand, Manchester has kind of superseded uh, London as the the fight capital of Britain. Um, Liverpool are kind of staking a claim with a a string of quite, quite quite high profile fighters around the British title level. But the uh, the MEN, uh, the MEN in Manchester. Um, was home the home to Ricky Hatton, who built up an enormous following, which was incredible because he he never fought on terrestrial television, but he still managed to get as promoting that sort of man for the people image. And for a long time, I mean, a lot of David Hay, a South South London born and bred, um, a lot of his major you know sort of title fights have taken place in in Manchester, um, which is especially his bout against um, former friend. Well, I spoke, I think they're friends again, friend foe. You know, they, they fall out, they're friends, whatever. But they, against Audley Harrison, it was an all-London bout taking place in Manchester. And that was that was even after he'd, he'd won his title. So you find that quite curious. And obviously he's done that. He's, he's a very commercially savvy man. He's looked at him and Adam Booth and their people have clearly looked at where they can make the most money and sell the most tickets. And they, and they decide, um, that's clear. And that's, that's why the O2 Arena, suddenly with the emergence of Eddie Hearn, um, Barry's son and Matchroom, they, they really they after having been had quite a few high profile fights in the 80s and 90s they kind of tailed off but um, they seem to be the emerging power in british boxing and the o2 arena is now in may the venue for uh, a super fight between karl froch and michael kessler obviously michael kessler being from denmark which is you know fairly north of south london but um, <laughs> neither, neither, but as a venue it's suddenly turning london it's very significant for london perhaps to have major bouts like that because we haven't really had major kind of fights that have taken sort of the attention of the world's media since i mean david Hay had his unification bout against enzo macarelli in south in the o2 um and his follow-up fight his second fight and his re-debut as they called it against monty barrett was there but most of these fights all of these big fights are taking place in manchester and i think carl Froch, uh, who's from nottingham the fact he's this is taking place in london i think this is beginning this might mark a shift back to london and people trying to yeah, as, as London becoming the capital, because it hasn't been, we, we haven't produced a great deal of high calibre fighters in a while. Um, so hopefully this will be the, the start of something big.
0: Yeah, it's been a runaway success, isn't it, the uh, North Greenwich Arena, as we try and call it on the <laughs> show. We don't need to brand it, do we?
2: We're not getting paid by these people, so... Uh... <laughs>
0: but, like, the tennis there, I mean, there's, like, sort of major, top, major players, play, like the best players mm-hmm. in the world play, at least. I mean, it's an ATP-recognised uh, tournament, ben- Yeah, it? it's
1: the most lucrative on the ATP circuit.
0: Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. right. The Battersea Blacksmith, Don Cockle, British champion
2: 1950, European champion 1951, light heavyweight. He began boxing in fairground booths, which is a nice sort of throwback to the sort of a nice throwback. Yeah, <laughs> lovely throwback <laughs> to a time when uh, the sport isn't really regulated. So, 1952, Don Cockle fights Randolph Turpin. So at the White City Stadium in London. The fight doesn't go well for Don Cockle.
1: No, um, in fact, he's he's uh, stopped in the 11th. He's floored three times. Um, after the th- I think it's after the third time he's knocked to the floor. Obviously, in those times the footage is not as you know. It's it's not great. It's still very you know. You can you can make out what's going on, but there's this. They managed to get this lovely angle on the third time he's knocked cockles knocked to the floor. Um, I, I understand that Randy Turpin was actually a very was a good friend of his and was not taking much enjoyment out of beating a friend of his. Uh, in such a convincing fashion and there's a really really lovely touching moment where um he's put him down on the third time and then you can clearly see it. he's in his corner in the neutral corner and he winks at him as in saying it kind of suggested to me you know sort of come on this is you know sort of it's nearly over it's sort of that. yeah you know sort of the minute the fight was actually caught you know sort of the cockle remonstrates at the conclusion of the fight and turpin goes up to him and kind of consulting it and sort echoes of, of uh Ayers rigby yeah. yeah but obviously though, they they were fra- And turpin was somebody who lived a very troubled life obviously i mean committed suicide in 66 but it's very his story is a very sad one but it's very it is highly relevant because of course he um he defeated um, former british champion albert finch he took his title and um he he has probably the greatest win by any British fighter of any period against Sugar Ray Robinson Sugar Ray Robinson by most classicists known as the regarded as the greatest fighter of all time and one of our own beat him over 15 rounds in, in I mean he, it was a short lived reign but to look for he cock- lost the rematch didn't he He lost the rematch in the States even though I I, I, I believe I mean I've seen the and I, I I had him I, I mean what, from what I remember I watched it about five years ago and I thought he was I thought he was holding more than holding his own and um yeah, the level he, and you <laughs> yeah. I, no, I, I mean, do You do a
2: scorecard when you watch boxing.
1: Yeah, I, I do, I do. I mean it depends how involved I am. If it's something like a... If you're an, fighting, don't. I, that's <laughs> a for that. Do you, I, I definitely am. That. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, I used to keep just I used to keep score in the playground in football. I was actually people hated it because so I'd be like calling out twenty six twenty two. people would just be like yeah exactly <laughs> sort of but I, I I took it seriously but anyhow um, to, for Cockle to lose to his title while struggling with the weight is no is no shame and uh, and that was kind of Turpin's last hurrah because his career kind of went in decline he was probably already in decline by that stage but um, yeah it was it, it was it was a love it was a lovely moment to watch just to see that at that moment of compassion when two people uh, you would imagine uh, trying to take each other's heads off but yeah it was, it was beautiful I would say similar to a later fight um, Mike, uh, Michael Ayers the Wayne Rigby um, Ayers being to Tim Bourne and in, it was probably what he's, he was also another he's got a Lonsdale belt outright he won the IBO title which is now does, I mean it's has been won by certain big names but it isn't really regarded as one of the big four but what people still talk about to this day is that moment of compassion in the 10th round when both fighters had been in, a, in trouble. I think uh, Ayers had been dunked down in the 8th himself, but he was definitely on top. He was landing, you know, barrages on, on Rigby. It's sequences, and, isn't it? Yeah, he's, not just, yeah, exactly. he's not just hitting him; he's hitting him a few oh, times. And, but then stopping,
2: yeah. pulling back, holding his arms out and exhorting the opponent's corner and the referee to stop the fight
1: and he as you said he did it several times and it was a really really lovely gesture and I think something I admire more than ferocity or the will to win because at that moment where your own livelihood and your own health is at stake the idea that you can put that all to one side and you know you know that that compassionate element is it was I I, you know I use the word beautiful so no, it i'll certainly still... be
2: putting that clip up on the website it's remarkable yeah yeah, it is, yeah, yeah and
1: yeah. still to this day i think it's a great great to his credit i mean you don't see it often i can remember recently um tyson fury and martin rogan showing similar compassion um in refusing to hit opponents who were in no position uh but you i mean just to, for example it's not unusual to see sort of sort of opponents wailing in, in boxing, yes. yeah. and especially, I know it's not a, it not, not a... It's in mixed martial arts. You yeah. you often see unconscious opponents downed who have already... The fight's been called off, and you see them being struck several times. Really? Michael Michael Bispin, most famously, he'd got under Dan Henderson's skin. Henderson knocked him out clean with one shot and then leapt on him and then punched him in the face while he was unconscious. And Henderson is somebody I'd said... Is this why people...
0: A, uh, why UFC and stuff is just so... Is growing in popularity so much because people it's have actually blood stagnated safety. after, has after, it, in the last like couple of years? Yeah, yeah, after
1: okay. it, you know, it, but
0: Chuck it, Liddell, it, he,
1: he certainly was a, a, a foremost exponent, yeah. But um, after, because it, if you look at it, what in terms of viewing figures, what it was coming from, the, the gains that it could make on boxing and all other sports. I mean, Dana White, um, the UFC's kind of main kind of mouthpiece, uh, is he like
0: the Vince McMahon? <laughs>
1: Uh, not knowing a lot about wrestling um, I, I know's yeah okay. <laughs> uh, um, but he, he used to say he was the fastest growing sport in the world it may well have been I, I don't know whether that's he. although he referred to it as UFC which a lot of mixed martial arts fans despise because obviously it's mixed martial arts is that arts, a brand UFC. name UFC? Yeah, essentially yeah the yeah, ultimate UFC fighting is, championship yeah. Um, yeah that's quite and, a comical name isn't it and, and they've also no st- offense
0: to <laughs> any UFC people listening and the thing is yeah. later on I might say some offensive things about mm-hmm. boxers right <laughs> that are still alive Please don't come and hit me.
1: <laughs> and I'd like to add that I I think all boxers are great, and I'm very grateful
2: <laughs>
0: that you're not hitting me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Just getting back to Randy Turpin for a minute. Can you confirm his brother's name? Yeah. It's Dick.
0: Dick. He's the with this guy. But that, was that, his, give, that was
2: his birth yeah. name?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's that. yeah, a popular name back in those days, isn't Who it? The Dick Turpin, Randolph Who Dick. Was... He was himself
1: Yeah, Dick very... Turpin.
0: What was Yeah, there's another Dick Turpin, isn't there?
2: Yeah, famously a highwayman <laughs> called Dick. That's, a, that's a, I'm not just sort of going <laughs> I'm not just sort of going he had a brother. That's not remarkable swing. He yeah. wasn't he wasn't he was highwayman. He was, wasn't not, the highwayman. Dick, Dick is a common name. Dick Turpin is not a common right. name, is it? Right. There's only two. So Cockle struggles to make weight, mm. a light heavyweight. So moves up to heavyweight mm. and finds himself facing Rocky Marciona, one of the, the most famous boxers of all time.
1: Yeah, I think one the the only heavyweight to retire undefeated, well, world uh, championship winning heavyweight to retire undefeated, 49-0. and 0. Um, Wow.
2: Yeah, it's not bad, is it? That's
0: extraordinary.
1: Yeah, especially in that era uh, where... What an I mean, era that was. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you fought It's more a crazy people. week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some, some people cast aspersions about a lot of the standard of his opponents. Um, but... Again, he was he was a formidable fighter, and Cockle found himself, you know, a legitimate. Despite what the American press, I mean, he he had a lot of issues with his weight due to the glandular fever that he was struggling with. I mean, I read reports where it said it, you know, the, the, he was a f- far removed from the chiselled light heavyweight who had uh, who who had sort of won British and European titles, and now I mean, it was brought up that he was podgy... And he was derided as, a, as another no-hoper. And the criticisms were quite, as as usual from the American press, quite scandalous. Um, he found himself on a seven-fight winning streak, including a win over Tom, Welshman Tommy Farr, who uh, was, again, one of the great British heavyweights. At that time, very much past his best, as is usual in this game. You never, you never seemingly get two fighters at their peak who enter the ring. Uh, there's always one who's on the decline who has some kind of issue. But after a seven-fight winning streak, he found himself, unfortunately for him, fighting Rocky Marciano.
0: He sent so. me a great article as, um, by mm-hmm. Bud Shawberg, who's sort of renowned as one of the greatest sports writers of all time. He? And he wrote on the waterfront, you know, on top of that. Did you read the article, Steve? As well? No. no. Did you read yeah. it, didn't you, obviously, before you sent it to me. He descri- um, Bud Shawberg describes him as a dogged tub of fat and um, an ox-legged, resolute fat man. He said he had the honour of the British Empire weighing heavily on his massive, blubbery shoulders. <laughs> but, Rocky
1: Marciano himself was very gracious in victory. Um, I mean, a lot of the British press had raised, were very critical of his tendency. You know, he, he, was, a, he was, you know, he fought dirty, you know, sort of... Hit after the bell and low exactly. punches. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, and the British
2: was... Border Control pr- protested the result yeah, afterwards, yeah, didn't yeah. they? I, be- I believe so, I believe so. But, but not... Cockle said he was, he was happy with the result. Yeah. He, he didn't think he'd done enough to... Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, marcione said afterwards, uh, I don't think I ever hit anyone else any more often or harder. Mm-hmm. So, he, mm-hmm. you know... He, Apparently he was
0: a bit of a glutton for faces, wasn't he?
2: For... Oh, faces.
0: When you get hit in the face. Like he could just... like Homer Simpson Is an actual in terminology, that, is it? A, a gl- this is what Bud Shawberg said. But, no, he, he could take a punch. Yeah. And um, I think that was Shawberg's criticism, in it? To, that's all we could yeah.
1: do. But to his detriment, because... Those are the fights, kind of where you 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 often with uh, Frank Bruno, who we'll get to, and with Henry Cooper as well. The towels often would be thrown in when had Cooper and Bruno, well, with, especially in Cooper's case when he was uh, when he was up, because were, the idea was to live to fight another day. In Cockle's case, that car- that was a career-ending beating. Standing up to that level of savagery left him. If you look at the, I haven't seen them, but if you look, I think it's quite you know this it tells its own story that he lost his next two bouts in very early by TKO. And and we, I mean, I think it still happens to this day where you see one courageous effort, but after that, the fighter is ruined forevermore because Mm -hmm. of the amount of punishment they've taken. Well, his his
2: final fight is a year later. Um, And obviously he he loses and retires. Um, The Daily Mail Describe him as overweight and flabby, mm. and he successfully sues him for uh, seven and a half grand. Which is
1: something, you know, another reason to laud him because anybody who successfully sues the Daily Mail. Well, it's
2: just nice to know that the Daily Mail is consistent in uh, <laughs> just. Scumbags! Uh, reporting lies, isn't it? Well, well, yeah. well done, the Daily Mail. Um, but no, fair play to him for uh, taking some money off uh, <laughs> a hateful rag. Hmm. Obligatory uh, Daily yeah. Mail stroke. We all had rant. that in our notes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you just don't Our next fighter, the only man ever to win three Lonsdale belts outright.
1: And uh, the man uh, responsible for one of the most well-documented single blows to land in the history of boxing.
0: R. Henry, Sir Henry Cooper.
2: Yeah, Henry's hammer was his uh, blow of choice. His left hook.
0: Yeah, put Cassius Clay to the floor. How notable is that, isn't it?
1: Well, at the time, it was... uh, the punch Play, road uh, around the world, wasn't it? Because it was, I mean, did as, they call it that? No, I'll just no, know no, that. No. And that's well, quite good, though. But, Clay, B- Clay, Bud Schulberg. <laughs> Clay often references, I think he said, he said, it's a popular like soundbite in interviews that his ancestors in Africa felt the felt the tremors. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but he he did say it. He said it on numerous occasions. Um, Ali was actually, or oh, sorry, Clay, as he was known then, was coming off a... Uh, um, quite a, a very marginal victory over Doug Jones where he was visibly wobbled um, he'd won it on two scorecards by a single round but prior to that and that was one of the first times in a while I think uh, he'd won he'd something like 12 on the trot where he would predicted the round which is obviously a very risky game um, and that was against Jones he hadn't managed to do so and in the build-up um, his kind of you know sort of brash personality hadn't endeared himself to the British population he'd uh he referred to uh to he- to henry as a tramp a bum and a cripple not worth training for hmm. uh, in
0: one sentence i was saying he's a tramp <laughs> a bum a cripple
1: <laughs> and and <laughs> henry was your typical kind of you know sort of gentleman he was a very kind of outside the ring he was a very relaxed demure character he he didn't indulge in that kind of thing and He's he's very he's often said that you can't you.
2: imagine trash talking, can you? No,
1: no, no. It was uh, and it, it wasn't the done thing. And he'd he even um, uh, Clay had riled the crowd even more by coming to the ring in a robe and a mock kind of crown that was found in some props department somewhere. <laughs> and he, you know, he they, they were bane for blood. Uh, was
0: it
2: Wembley?
1: Yeah, I, I think, I, yeah, Wembley yeah. Stadium. In, yeah, because uh, the, the rematch was at Highbury. The, re- the right, world yeah. title fight was yeah. at Highbury. Yeah, because so. yeah, the
2: first time they fight is a non-title. Yeah, it's uh, a bat, ten rounder. It? It. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: it's it's essentially a marking time bout for Ali, who's waiting to for to fight um, for the world heavyweight title. And, um, it, and um,
2: the, thing, the interesting thing is, you know, at, uh, Clay is saying he's a bum, he's a tramp, he's not worth training for. Cooper doesn't have a trainer for this fight, does he? He's training himself
1: yeah well yeah he used to i mean him and him and George often would take up after george's career i believe sort of took responsibility for a, a lot i could be i could be wrong on that but i', I don't That's know. remarkable,
2: is not it for someone at that sort of level to be competing without uh you know we, we think uh, as you say nowadays in terms of training camps and teams and but and,
1: and he had he'd got himself into remarkable shape as well um it's famously i mean he's he, it's it's been well documented that he was barely over the light heavyweight limit he'd trained so hard he was actually weighing in he didn't at the weighing he was holding a weight in his right hand and i believe he had lead in his boots yeah uh, cooper to... claimed he had lead in yeah. his boots to make weight um so, you know, speaking, not, not, not to can... not to make weight it was the fact that he didn't want to give uh, clay a psychological advantage because he was coming in under 13 stone ah, so um as i said i think the light heavyweight is 100 yeah they check tiger. their boots now uh, you, weapons, you don't yeah. know. You essentially just, just in your pants. On. Essentially, not even that sometimes. No. But when, you, when you when you when you don't make weight. <laughs> now he's
0: intrigued. <laughs> not see. I've seen like Mike Tyson have known his pants, no, but if, not,
1: if you're if you're over the limit by a few ounces. They do. They've been known to. Well, like behind people, the curtain. Yeah, they hold the yeah. towel up and you. They get, will you strip off. Started. Really?
0: Yeah. Well, it's quite saucy, isn't
2: it? Yeah. Boxing.
1: At the weigh-in, he had uh, lead in his boots, and he had a uh, weight in his right hand, and he said it managed to add six pounds. So See, letting
2: the boots, you can understand is a
1: ruse, but carrying a weight <laughs> in your hands—what's that, that? Ignore this. What's that? Do you want know to put <laughs> it
2: down? Because uh, we're weighing really we're you now. This is the bit yeah. where we weigh how much you weigh, yeah. not stuff you're carrying. This is polystyrene. Don't weigh anything. <laughs> well, he was—he
1: was a—he—he was a um, he he, had, he was 2 time uh, ABA light heavyweight champ. Um, that he had fought that—he uh, had fought that weight class before, and in fact, this is another very valid point that in today's in today's. Uh, Boxing world with the with the newly formed cruiserweight division, uh, barely you know three decades old, whatever it is. Um, he would definitely would not be a heavyweight. He would you know he would comfortably come. The cruiserweight limit has changed since its existence. The cruiser when it was first introduced it was 190 pounds. It's now fourteen stone four, 200 pounds. So Henry Cooper would come in way way. below. Well, as I mean. you
2: say, you, you said earlier
1: what we consider a heavyweight nowadays
2: and what was a heavyweight traditionally. Yeah. Heavyweight traditionally were. Uh, uh, you know Ali and Cooper—they yeah, were yeah. mobile. That yeah, was part yeah. of it. They were, yeah. they, you know, quick on their feet, but also had power. Whereas today, it's a power game, isn't it? Yeah. Well,
1: we need to, uh, i mean, a lot of people because they're—I mean, boxers are just much larger in all dimensions. I mean, value of at seven-two. I mean, he isn't the. Yeah. I a mean, boxer. he's... <laughs> well, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, he's or or even better. because he punch
0: people like downwards <laughs> on their top of their head? <laughs> with
1: fists. Well, there was <laughs> that,
2: that crazy moment a few years ago, well, a good few years ago now, where uh, Butterbean. Was, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, he was Although essentially a carnactor. Yeah, he's
1: a, he was a side kind of sideshow, side shirt you know, yeah. carnival act. Yeah, more,
2: yeah. How big was he? more. He wasn't more big, of, he was round. Yeah, he was a, a beast. Uh, he a was he was essentially just uh yeah. uh yeah. and the idea was
1: but he, he's what's known as a club fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um and but you've got the the codes of course at six six, six seven and De- our very own David Price and Tyson Fury who's um they're all they're heavyweights these days i mean people often refer to how undersized david hay is he's he's been i mean his ideal weight is around 270 he's come in as heavy as about 216 217 he's not he's he's a classic heavyweight yeah uh, in terms of you know size and stature, it's just that you know we've got these the other these, heavyweights so these to view of it. i mean some people have touted the idea of having a super heavyweight division in the professional game but i think the last thing boxing needs is yet another weight division and yet more world titles hmm. um Either alter with the current, you know, sort of uh, weights as they are, and manipulate them to make it a bit fairer. Or, but yeah, Cooper. Cooper was on. Was he was uh, I think eight years older than Clay, but he was outweighed considerably. He was, uh, yeah, and he would have been by the majority of his opponents would have outweighed him comfortably.
2: So the uh, end of the fourth round, Cooper connects with the hammer. Yeah, Clay. Looks like he's going down, but uh, catches his arm on the ropes. That well, no, thing, he's, he,
1: he does it. The ropes keep him up, essentially. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was gone. I mean, Cooper often refers to the fact that if he'd caught him, sent a ring. He, don't, he doesn't think that Ali, uh, Clay, as it were, then uh, as he was then, wouldn't have been able to rise. But the, I think that's slightly um, not the way. I mean, obviously, he's looking at it from the perspective of the what the what ifs. But I don't think Clay would have been caught if he wasn't on the ropes um I think Dundee kind of it yeah sort of describes as uh Cooper kind of throwing the left out there and clay instinctively moving away from what you perceived would be the right hand, which is obviously taking him on to ali's uh, sorry onto cooper henry's henry's hammer uh which connects pretty flush on the side of his jaw, and he is gone, you see it, and he is and the thing is he'd uh i mean Ali had a problem. Uh, so I keep, Clay, well, You know I've, what, I've I just
0: can't believe Steve hasn't done a... I'm, I'm holding up, Clay! I'm
2: <laughs> shocked. It's, it's, I never know I mean, Steve to do it's, his mother <laughs> calling him Clay. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was too obvious. I've done it in every episode. Hassan, <laughs> his mother
1: called him Clay. You <laughs> him Clay. Uh, Okay. He was a, a certain part, left the left hook. It landed on him with great frequency throughout his career, which is strange for somebody who was such a kind of very, you know, defensive master and somebody who was, well... He he was involved in a fair amount of wars, but it was no it was something of an Achilles heel that punch for him. It was something that landed with great. Yeah, because so much of his career was based around not getting hit, wasn't it? That was yeah, although of, I mean he was in he success. was in a he was in a lot. I mean, I think he he it was it was his kind of macho kind of machismo which led him to be embroiled in wars where again he could he could dance as he was. as he as he did after. I mean, as he did once he recovered, but well, well before he got to the period where he recovered, of course. Is that um, he kind of the referee continues the count as is the right thing to do because you still have to beat them, but you cannot be saved by the bell. Uh, and he managed to rise, you know, with the aid of the ropes. He uh, sort of staggers back to his corner, and
2: uh, well, he does, uh, according to to boss. He doesn't stagger back to his corner. Andrew Dundee by, yeah, carries him Dundee. back to his corner, which yeah. stri- immediately uh, yeah. is a violation of rules and should end the fight, strictly speaking.
1: Well, I, I mean. Dund- this, the thing is Dundee has embellished his role quite significantly um he's in i mean i've read his uh his his biography and uh he explicitly states that he you know sort of say and he he doesn't apologise um that there was a, a split seam in Ali's glove which he'd notes at the start of the fight and which he had uh manipulated uh, by sticking his thumb into it and making the wide a uh, full blown of the tear uh, brings the, the referees' attention exactly to that, explain you know, that we need to, to replace the... the... gloves. And now this is where things get, you know, a, a lot of people say he didn't... Uh, some people say, you know, Frank, I think a few people have said he, he didn't actually tamper with the gloves. It's just Dundee embellishing his role, you know. But well, he also
2: admits using smelling salts, which is another... Exactly.
1: Uh, which had been... Um, which had been banned in British boxing rings at that time. It was. It was. Uh, and although having said that, Bruno himself was administered a couple of dec- a couple of decades later, smelling salts. Oh. I think. Um, yeah, in a couple of his bouts as well, where he'd uh, sort of uh, where he'd been sort of shaken up. So, but he's he's in his corner and um, the, he draws the attention to the fact that these gloves need replacing. But the, here's where it gets the, the kind of the myth grows, where Ali has had several minutes in between uh in between rounds to recover some people said he even changed gloves that never happened i think i believe there was a call for a change of gloves but they didn't even arrive ringside until the bout was over until (laughs) so um he got i believe a lot of people including um including um biographers of cooper have timed it in the archives and it's come to a minute and around a minute and six seconds so six seconds He got six seconds extra to recover, basically.
2: But wasn't there uh, uh, an argument? I mean, Cooper claimed it was between three and five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And basically the footage has been edited to make it appear.
1: No, I I mean, there there has been... (laughs) Well,
2: uh, cut, rather. Rather than... Yeah, rather than having three to five minutes of him receiving treatment, there is, as you say...
1: Yeah, I mean, but... I mean, I mean, um, his own his own biographers have kind of stated that he's been he's been led to believe, and it's kind of you know when you're in the, oh, in the, you know, the heat of the yeah. battle, he's not looking and, at. And Dundee, even though he said he, even though he admits his role in this whole affair, he said it was only it was be, it was just a handful of seconds, and it was just you know sort of. He doesn't apologize. He refers to his gamesmanship. He doesn't you know sort of. He thinks he did. He even says that Henry said to him he he would expect it from the same from his own corner. So. Uh, um, yeah it's it's again it was it was a significant blow and it is a case of what would have happened if he had landed it earlier um could he 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 prided himself on his finishing ability to get his man out of there so um i mean we'll never know he lost he lost the round he i mean uh famous obviously richard burton was ringside uh Willing him on, I think he shouted, Yeah, apparently. uh <laughs> <laughs> on, oh, It was th- yeah uh, from I'm not sure, Park, sure what part of Wales. Uh, <laughs> well Here, Pembrokeshire. But, and that, uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, and apparently, Elizabeth Taylor couldn't bring herself to uh, couldn't bring herself to watch. And okay. um, but as as was uh, as well known, his his Cooper's Achilles' Hill was his uh, paper thin skin. It'd he, he, been noted it cost him. He he's got 14 losses. On his, uh, on his ledger and when you look at the stats it will say eight eight by way of knockout but that doesn't tell the whole story because many of those bouts uh, te- where he's a own technical corner- knockout exactly yeah. his he can't continue in- because... he's, been, he's been up winning on the cards I mean there are very few people who've rendered him unconscious uh, Ingemar Johansson with his hammer of Thor uh... oh
0: wow that's better than Henry's hammer isn't it <laughs>
1: it's cheating isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah you've got Divine and, uh, uh, and um, an old po- his old opponent uh, Folly, and can't remember uh, well. How can I say Floyd Patterson? Floyd Patterson um, really, pretty really, boy. Uh, you, yeah, uh, if you want, if you he was alright, Not my type, Jack. But, um,
0: I read in the boxing encyclopedia about one of his fights. Cooper's vulnerable eyebrows let him down as they often did. Which is extraordinary for someone who doesn't know anything about boxing.
1: Well, I think um, Dundee remarked that he had. They knew, uh, despite of his, you know, sort of his attacking prowess, that they knew he had tissue thin skin, as brittle as a fifty year old coat of paint. That's how uh, Dundee <laughs> describes it. So, uh,
2: yeah, Clay wins that fight eventually, and then when they have a world title fight at Highbury, High yeah. Uh, again, it stopped on, with on cuts, but he
1: does. He doesn't deck. He, he never. Put no. on the, he, ne- he never decks him, yeah. and it's just. Uh, it's just unfortunate. Se- several British boxing champions have had this Achilles heel. Alan Minto, who won the unified world championship, was very prone to cuts. Um, Ricky Hatton, more recently, yeah. although he had the the benefits of like, you know, sort of plastic surgery, you know, sort of the modern modern surgery me- meant that. Well, then
0: I do give him that like, extra skin before they, the fight.
1: They, they, I, I, I'm not sure what techniques they they've used, but they 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 certainly you know sort of after he v- visited surgeons, he seemed they seemingly got rid of some of the scar tissue and oh, sort really? of. Uh, He's yeah. on the
0: after dinner circuit now, isn't he, Ricky Hatton? Yeah, yeah, was, and was, dinner as well, I imagine size <laughs> him. Uh... I'll wait, do me a plate, obviously.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've got signed Ricky Hatton glove. And uh, for summary, yeah, I bought, I bought, I got several signed autobiographies and um, they, uh, they, the, the guy, well, they, but I wanted to get another book signed. And the guy who was with it, his PR man said, um, he, I wanted to get my glove signed. Sorry. And he said, you can only get your glove signed if you get another book. And I was like, oh, I've already, I've already got both of his books in hardback. Yeah. And I've got, you know, and so I picked it up and it's fine." fine. And I got him to sign it, and uh, Get off. Yeah. and uh, he was like, he, oh, he, he was like, who do you want it to? Because he was dead, he he, he wanted to he wanted to ded- he wanted to dedicate the the mitt, and with good reason, because you know people would probably yeah, sell it. I don't, man, I, don't yeah. I don't mind it. As I said, I've right. always want want I, I, you know I, my, he wanted and, for you yeah exactly. So and, the two uh,
0: Tossler <laughs> from Ricky the Hat I, I already I,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the name, isn't it? He he, did, he signed it, Ricky the mitman. <laughs> uh, did he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: and he's uh, doing stand-up comedy now <laughs> Henry Cooper was born in Lambeth Grew up on Benham Estate in Lewisham Went to Athelney Road School uh, Used to rescue golf balls on Beckenham uh, One of his early jobs Boxed at Elton Amateur Boxing Club Practised at the Thomas A. Beckett in, uh On the Elkham Road After boxing <laughs> You know, some good and some bad in there the first celebrity endorser of the anti-Nazi league. He went bankrupt, though, didn't he, basically? Well, he'd certainly lost a lot of money had to sell his Lonsdale belts. We're
2: going to talk about the Mackenzie family next. And it's interesting there to note that with the older brothers, they're born in Jamaica and move over to London. And then the younger brother, uh, Duke McKenzie, is born in Croydon. So you've got this transition, transition with the next generation of British boxers who are largely from Afro-Caribbean... Immigrant
0: Everyone we've talked about up to this point is white, and almost everyone we talk about after this point is
1: black. Duke in particular uh, rose to prominence. He still holds the record of uh, being the only British boxer to win uh, world titles at three different weights. Um, there are several two-weight champions, but he's the only three-weight champion. Some people might point out that the WBO titles he won at bantam and super bantam weight were there were fringe titles at the time. Um, it was. They they were seen as kind of uh, you know sort of lesser titles. They weren't at once even even after Jake McKenzie had been and gone. Um, the WBA famously didn't allow um, I think Nassim Hamid to fight Vasquez. Uh, they didn't like they didn't allow it to be a, a unification title for the WBA and WBO titles. That's how little in like but it's, in retrospectively people st- still labelled a three weight world champion. I think that's fair. He was never what you'd call the man at the weight. He was never a dominant figure, but he was, you know, his, his credentials speak for themselves. Um, uh, titles, as I said, a uh, uh, flyweight, bantamweight, and super bantamweight. Probably the most two significant two of his most significant belts were bought against uh, opposition from the United Kingdom. I'll say diplomatically because Dave Boy McCall is obviously from Northern Ireland, um, and I, I'm sure he regards himself as Irish. If I'm not mistaken but yeah he he surrendered his ibf title in what would i believe his first defense i might have got that wrong but um he again i mean it's not surprising he he cited weight weight making weight uh as a sort of issues as as to why he wasn't quite on top form but his most significant bout would have been his um his bout um against charlie magri which was actually a british and European. It wasn't a world title fight, but Charlie. It was one of those typical passing off the torch kind of bouts. It was what turned out to be Magree's final bout, and Magri himself had been uh, a world champion, um, one of what Britain's first champion at flyweight for quite some time. Um, and and Magree was the man uh, his way, it, wasn't it, he? he? Well, was... yeah. I mean, he was a British Commonwealth European, and he was a WBC champion. Um, he was also an ABA champion. He was also a very fine fighter. Um, and it was, again, these these things... And funny enough, he also holds a record. Well, one he's one of two people, I believe, who were awarded a Lonsdale belt without actually making the required defences because there wasn't sufficient opposition. So <laughs> he was... It, himself and Junior Winter, I believe, were two boxers who'd won the title in that way. But, um, again, you, you see it now and again, and it, it's kind of... Uh, that, that kind of bout marked Duke McKenzie's ascendancy... Um, his uh, his career i suppose he's he's somebody who doesn't get mentioned in the kind of higher echelons of great british boxers when you see the top 10s and top 20 lists drawn up you don't really see his name featured prominently. that doesn't mean to say he wasn't a world-class uh pugilist uh but he's probably primarily known to this day as uh as, as a color commentator he's well loved on the on the forums which is you know it's not common uh that they're, they're pretty vicious they can be pretty vicious Jim Watt comes in for a hell of a lot of criticism but Duke, no, McKenzie's... Love right. <laughs> mm. Duke McKenzie's uh kind of uh line is his legs have gone and he's he's known to be very excitable basically he often he often sort of uh he often focuses on when a sort of a, a fighter seems to be out on his legs and but yeah he's he, he's he's genuinely like a lovely... But when they say you couldn't meet a nicer guy outside a ring, you know, sort of often you'll hear at events, slightly dubious characters. But um, He's not yeah. that kind of boxer. <laughs> he's, he's one of those people who've... And what I do admire about him though is that he isn't... a fo- some, some, bo- some, some commentators, they get into a kind of thread. There's a pattern... And despite what's going on in the ring, they'll state the contrary. You're, you're you're watching one fight, but they'll be focusing on one box and they'll be blind. Uh, Duke McKenzie, rather sort of controversially, had Joe Calzaghe losing to Bernard Hopkins. And that was not a view taken by a lot of pundits, and even the Americans, who uh, Calzaghi, Bernard Hopkins had upset a lot of people with some of the racial nature of some of the comments he had made, uh, mimicking um, Alan Minter from a, a while back. I won't,
0: I won't go into so what- what, who's this Bernard? He, he's
1: a he. He was like he was a dominant middleweight champion what for he's a long black time. For? Yeah, and he's an American. He famously said, "I ain't gonna let no white boy come here." He, My tough was that kind of thing. You said, you've nearly <laughs> paraphrased. You've never <laughs> said to a word. He said, I, "I believe it's I ain't gonna let any white boy beat me." Um, yeah. And well, you Duke would McKen- feel, I mean, given I'm, the list, I, I personally, <laughs> I, I thought, I thought he beat Calzaghi. and Judo McKenzie himself. I believe. Um, I watched it in retrospect... I, I listened to it on the radio that day because um, I couldn't get to I I couldn't watch it. And um, I went oh, retrospectively when I... Wa- I it wasn't... I, I watched it with the sound off. and I, I thought Duke McKenzie called it correctly, but I think, again, so I, th- I think that's to be admired.
0: His older brother Clinton fought at the uh, 76 Olympics. Yeah. Lost to uh, Ray Leonard. Right, so I thought, I wonder who that clicked. It's Sugar Ray Leonard to <laughs> give him his uh, full name.
1: Yeah, uh, Cl- Clinton... Um, again another name that doesn't crop up that often but he holds, he holds the accolade of being one of five men to win two Lonsdale belts outright um, in his own right, I believe the European Championship, there's a, a European tight list as well um, So uh, and uh, again their, uh, their, their other brother Winston was uh, quite a decorated amateur Yeah, there, but you?
0: he's a Tory now isn't he quite an active Tory it's UKIP Worse. He stood
1: for UKIP in the last election yeah, right, yeah. Did he yeah. win? We-
0: no, no, no. No, it's the for you, Kemp, Steve. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and, uh, of course, then there's... Uh, Leon guess, McKenzie, Leon the striker, McKenzie, yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, the former Norwich striker. So. Well, also... Uh,
2: Palace, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Their auntie as well. It's big brother, isn't it? Who's that? It's, no, no. She's uh, a doc angel. Precious. Oh. Oh. Uh, weightlifter. Precious really? Yeah. No, because one of their relatives yeah, been, was on yeah, with rubber. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, but uh, yeah, I'm saying there's a sporting link. Yeah. yeah. Aunt, auntie, auntie Precious. Clearly way It's, a, clearly so it's the a sporting family, you know. Imagine that at Christmas. She, like picks you up at the door and stuff. Oh. Well, you know. Hit her, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Are we? <laughs> Although born in Jamaica, Lloyd Hunnigan uh, had most of his success and significant career fighting out of South London. In 1986, he becomes World Welterweight Champion, winning the WBC, WBA and IBF Championships off Don Curry. It's remarkable, isn't it? One fight, three pelts. That's the bit where they put one round the waist and a couple over the shoulder. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and it's, uh, it's quite an upset, isn't it? Don it's... Curry is, at this point...
1: Yeah, he's, he's being groomed for... I mean, he's already the, uh, the Welterweight, the, the acknowledged, unified, undisputed Welterweight Champion. He's also, in many people's... Pound for pound lists uh, the, the top fighter across all divisions. Uh, he's being groomed for superstardom. He was a Golden Gloves champion. He's part of the Olympic team who boycotted the eighty Olympics. So. I don't know how much credit. You get no, for no, that. no. He was part of the Olympic team that was, you know, sort of obviously, yeah. You know, yeah. box. He wouldn't. I mean, we'll never know how he good he was going to be. Cause... <laughs> but, um, what happened in nineteen eighty? Um, they boycotted
2: over Afghanistan.
1: Yeah. It was. I mean, just to illustrate uh, what it was, Ring, the Ring magazine's upset of the year. um it, well,
2: Don Curry weren't expecting it, was he? Before the fight, he dismisses Lloyd Hannigan, describing him as... Ragamuffin Man. Who is this ragamuffin, he asked. <laughs> and then uh, got uh, fight got stopped in six round when well, he's getting battered. So that's the ragamuffin man. He's <laughs> well, I mean, punching you repeatedly. <laughs> I
1: mean, as, without wanting to overstate just how, <clears throat> how revered at the time... I mean, he was the Ring Fighter of the Year... Duke McKenzie he said on one of those kind of Channel Four clip clips, you know, one of those hundred great sporting moments ever. He had said, he said he was on the train at the time, the journey in the the, more, the morning after he hadn't watched the bout, and he asked the uh, the ticket inspector what round uh, uh, Lloyd Hunnigan, what round had Lloyd Hunnigan been knocked out in. He he even says he, he even says, and that's that's how little he was a he was a massive massive underdog. I think very much though it was a case of. It was a case of sort of preconceptions about British fighters, uh, because he was an undefeated fighter himself. He had gone over to Italy and absolutely decimated his. Uh, won the, you know, he won the European title with it was a single blow knockout. So uh, it was his opponent, um, Rossi, who who went on to be the WBC light middleweight champion. So it, this was, I mean, whilst he was definitely it was, he was rightly regarded as the underdog, the, the manner in which he was written off was. You know, it was, yeah, short-sighted.
2: And yeah, I wouldn't even say that's the finest moment in Lloyd Hunnigan's career, which is probably going to sound uh, ridiculous. But as someone who's a bit of a boxing fan, but a much bigger fan of brilliant gestures, uh, Lloyd Hunnigan dumping his title belt into a bin rather than defend it against a South African at the peak of apartheid. Is, uh, mm. It's up there, isn't it? Yeah, Pretty much. Yeah, what yeah. a gesture. He's sort of going, I, he, you're forcing me to do this, I don't support this regime, the WL, you have to. He's like, well, I'll just... I'll, I, not even refusing, he's like, I'll throw it in a bin. Mm. He apologised to him later on to get an, uh, a chance yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to fight was his life again. What are you apologising for? you? History proved you right, Lloyd Hunigan, You I, mad ragamuffin. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: um, yeah, as I said, in retrospect, I mean, it was he was written off and yeah. it was... It, it's probably in the all-time. It's probably the in the top three uh, greatest performances by a British fighter uh, on on a weight on on foreign territory. um Just to beat a unified champion so convincingly. I mean, watching it back as I did just for the purpose of. I, I said I've watched it on a dozen occasions at least because it's just great fun to watch and just to hear the commentary sort of completely sort of. Um, Given him very little credit, I mean they had it close I, I i thought he won all six round he was winning every round comfortably i think he was he was hurt in the third round, but I think it's overstated the but i think he recovered well um the commentators rather they claimed he was on a queer street uh common expression, not very sort of uh, sort of dignified but they then i i can i can't agree with that so um but he, it was kind of it was similarly to Ricky Hatton a couple of decades later. His finest hour was his kind of first world title. When Ricky Hatton beat Costa Zoo for his first official world title, it was all downhill from then, And despite several notable scouts for Honeygun, uh, um, especially the rather hilarious uh, match against... Um, Johnny uh, Bomfey. Yes, did you see it? Have you seen yeah, it? the
0: guy steps off the stall and watches him. <laughs> he, he, he I love him. His, <laughs> and he says, uh he's unapologetic, and he? he goes, uh the bell went ding <laughs> and I went dong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, that is a beautiful line. That is it's just incredible watching. But I mean, you you know, it's sort of some people would say he's was within his rights, you know, if you're not ready you should be, you know, sort of protect yourself at all times, sort of during the course of uh so but he, he, he became after that though. I think he kind of sort of uh, fell in love with his power and he became a bit of what's known as a gunslinger, kind of, you know, th- sort of throwing punches from telegraphing punches and just swinging wildly. He was... Did he, he ever was... do that
0: Texas Don Edith where you bounce on the rope and then do a
1: 360? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got a foggiest, what you're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there were a couple of... He's quite... a
2: crowd pleaser, though, isn't he? That's the yeah, thing. yeah. And he, that couple, sort of style A couple of very... opponents
1: that he, he lost against, like Marlon Starling, were just on paper kind of kryptonite. Just everything that... Stalin you know a defense he didn't he you know he barely landed a glove but he, I think he was already in decline but his his name was made uh you know sort of, whatever we Martin this month Martin Murray is fighting the uh, from St Helens is fighting the middleweight champion uh, Sergio Martinez and to this day so he's fighting in Argentina he's fighting foreign territory and Ricky Hatton his man his his promoter has quoted you know this can be another you know sort of think hu- think Turpin Robinson think Honeygan Curry it's always up there whenever you've got a british fighter with a tough task of abroad they kind of quote honeygan doing it you know against all odds and his, his name is forever more sort of uh, marked. Like yeah it. well, the the he's he kind of makes an appearance now and again as a as a figure he's still very I br- saw him
0: on sky sports news up now, googled him <laughs> put him on youtube sorry and uh He's, he was wearing a matching hat, fur hat and coat, mm-hmm. and then a gold top cane.
1: Yeah, he's he's quite extravagant these days in terms of his uh, attire. But it's not for the pimple. Yeah, yeah. I was imagine
0: him sort of meeting women about... I'm the regular muffin man, maybe. I know you probably don't talk with an American accent. <laughs> no, he doesn't, he doesn't. He's
1: still got quite a thick um, Caribbean accent, um, you know. So yeah, he does, actually, yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the great... I mean, you know, you sort of... I spend hours procrastinating boxing forums when I should be doing actual work, but sometimes it throws up. There was a great anecdote. I did try and find it for the purpose of this, to see if I could track it down. But somebody... I don't know whether it actually happened, but um, somebody claimed... That on the on the day of flight, the sort of the press conference when the fight's been announced, uh, you've got Don Curry, who's your typical kind of all American athlete, you know, he's ma'am this and sir this, and you know, sort of butter wouldn't melt kind of, you know, sort of wholesome kind of athlete. And Don Curry, c- Curry uh, sorry, and Lloyd Hunnigan's obviously a bit more, you know, sort of street smart. Grew up in Peckham, you know, sort of. And uh, when Don Curry goes to shake his hand, and apparently Lloyd Hunnigan pulls away and says, "I ain't shaking your hand, you." C- I'm I'm here to knock you out so uh, again I don't know and Don't go
2: goes very (laughs) formally who is this (laughs) (laughs) so maybe he was in the right I
1: I can't say I know whether there's an ounce of truth to that you know sort if you read things on the on boxing forums that you don't know you know there's always things being speculated about what happened sparring. who's knocked two out I mean that's a pretty standard
2: uh Pre bout press conference. Now, if it, if someone isn't going up to someone else and saying, saying, consulting and swinging at them, well, uh, I no mean, ready the,
1: for them. I mean, the the, the uh, I mean the the kind of typical gentlemanly British heavyweight, uh, also a British fighter, is probably a thing of the past. I mean, you had Cooper, you had you had Bruno, who was very much in that mould as well. Who who no who basically said in his on his biography, he says he didn't go into that. He in fact it it riled him. He despised it. He he still I mean he did didn't like it when Lennox Lewis sort of accused him of being, as, as you know, with an Uncle Tom. He didn't like it when Oliver McCall, um, just um, not too long in the aftermath of the Nigel Ben-Gerald-McLennan uh, Gerald bout, where McLennan was left in a really bad way. He's large still to this day. He's he's largely deaf and blind, and he's really suffered. Oliver McCall said he was going to get revenge, and he was going to do what Ben did to McLennan, but to Bruno. And Bruno was quite right. He said, you know, that the idea that somebody said they're going to put you in a vegetative state is... Yeah. But also
2: directly referencing uh, another, unfortunately...
1: Yeah, we, you know, fresh fresh in mind. Taste, yeah. but what, what was it Tyson said? I'm going to eat your children. It's something about <laughs> eating Lennox Lewis's children. Is it, yeah, that is what they're saying? am going to
0: eat
2: your children. Yeah, yeah. Start special. with the ears. <laughs> and he will.
1: And the thing is, it's become commonplace where fighters think they're obliged to raise what raises attention. I mean, David Hay famously had those T-shirts mocked, drawn up, mocked up of the Klitschkos with him with uh, a head of either e, brother in his hand, sort of severed from their, uh, from their sort of bodies.
0: Well, and and... Shortly we'll find out how that worked out for him. Okay, but yeah. you've led us into Bruno Hassan. I... Uh, you know, Lloyd Hannigan was, as you say, made headlines. Yeah. But Bruno, arguably the most famous British heavyweight of all time,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, again, he's another one of those figures, like Cooper before him, uh, transcends boxing because he's, he's still... He's, as he well. Was, yeah, yeah, and he, he's, a, he, he, I mean, I would still regard him as a kind of a household name, maybe not for this year. Yeah, 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 I was growing name. up, He had a spitting image puppet, you know, him mm. and Harry were, were a double act. Well, with was...
2: him and Cooper, I, I think of them more as media personalities mm. rather than <laughs> fighters. I don't remember any of their bouts particularly, but, you know, uh, Frank Bruno and a on like Noel's house party, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah, mm. yeah. It That's was... where you think of him from.
0: And yeah, I mean, and you sort of... Um, well, because we'll talk about it a little bit now, can't we, instead? Um, you know, you mentioned David Hay, who's the biggest name in British... And Hatton, they're the two biggest names in British boxing of the last decade, yeah. but it don't come close to the fame that Bruno had. No, it? no, like, you no. You could speak to... My nan wouldn't have heard of those two, no. she's heard of Frank Bruno.
1: Isn't yeah, he? yeah. And I think often to the detriment of his reputation, because sometimes people like to have a laugh about him being sort of... about his capabilities, and I think it's wholly... Unfair. There's a lot for revisionism and often you'll get some it's raised now and again and people have got this opinion of sort of frank bruno having all these deficiencies and i think a lot of them are manufactured a lot some of them um i think jimmy tibbs who trained him said that he had no natural talent and i think a lot of this which is somebody who's training you that's a pretty damning criticism but some of the things criticisms labeled at him he was a little bit rigid he was a little bit robotic um i i've I've watched several of his We Who would powers. want to fight a robot? Have you
0: seen real still?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's not great. But I've, I've watched, I think, you know, he's not giving, he's got, you know, he, he, he's got lovely upper body move, you know, so I think he's very fluid in his combinations. Uh, I think he, he had a wide variety of punches. so I would label it in that, you know, he can't get away with this. When he was hurt, because some people say he had uh, he had poor punch resistance. I do not agree with that for one moment. It's just that he didn't, have ring smart and he didn't have survival instincts if you look at that bout with lennox lewis where after seven rounds he's what he's up on one score card, he's level on one score card, and he's losing on one score card so it's a very level bout i thought he was winning the bout you know lewis unloads several clean shots and doesn't put him down so uh so he could think, take a hit i don't yeah i think he could i think it was just that again i mean he says he says it was just he he wanted to fight back but he was on a I, I just think he didn't know how to react when hurt. That was his. So would it, one of his uh, maybe
0: a better trainer, no, one I'm... who thought we had natural talent. Maybe I
1: think <laughs> <laughs> I think some something does come down to instinct. Unfortunately, you know, sort of something. Some folks can't be ironed out. I mean, we see it with some of our boxers who are today. You know, you have you have your strengths, and he had many. He was a fierce and puncher.
2: Well, sometimes you show him your weaknesses. He's a natural fighter, so he doesn't want to disengage. Yeah, he wants yeah. to respond, and that's you know going yeah. to leave him in trouble. As he yeah. said, you know, fighting was part of growing up in South London.
0: born
1: um, born in
0: Hammersmith, yeah. uh, raised in Barmouth Road, Wandsworth, before going to boarding School for five years in mm, Surrey. After... I think it was.
1: Yeah, he was, He's a typical. I mean, you often see it cast out. I mean. Again, I was watching quite a big bill, a big domestic bill, where they, they referenced how uh, you know a certain boxer fighting in the bill was a teenage tearaway, but through boxing he managed to dedicate himself. And the story you hear it repeated. Apparently, apparently he had got into a scuffle with a school teacher. Yeah. Which had, he this teacher claimed that Bruno had hit him. Uh, and bruno claims that it was just like you know sort of it was something he a did, did stuff, strike it? him yeah it was, no. it was over like
0: i think it was in like parliament square on a school trip a par- and he isn't. ran home to one <laughs> over westminster bridge and he starts his uh autobiography actually, i think it starts with him being sectioned but then he, and then he talks about um run he's like nobody had ever run over westminster bridge as fast as i did that day he just like ran home it was only in primary school at the time it was like 11 10 yeah. or 11
1: well, he he, he, he makes several references, doesn't he, to his energy levels, and that he wasn't a bad kid and he wasn't a bully, but mm. he was just, you know, sort of... Um, and that usual thing you hear
0: just, as well about being the biggest kid.
1: Yeah, yeah you, know, yeah, you, you end up being a, a bit of a
2: maggot. Turns professional, uh, a streak of 21 consecutive wins by knockout. And I mean, I know, you know, you carefully manage your pick mm. opponents or whatnot, but that's still remarkable, isn't it?
1: it? It is, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, sort of, most, most boxers on, on the way, I mean, David Hay, another concussive hitter, even he had a, you know, sort of en route. I mean, he had a couple of he had a he had a bout where he just went the distance to make sure he could do it. It was known as one of the worst bouts. He and he was actually <laughs> booed, which was I thought rather unfair. But Bruno is is very frank. Uh, no, pun, no, pun, <laughs> no, pun, no pun intended. Isn't this book called Frank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and he says he says when you're starting out, you want to face. He, and he doesn't put his ear. He says bums essentially. Yeah. He says you want to fight overmatched, older fatter kind of where you know sort of because yeah. you learn your ring craft you? exactly i mean it's not healthy to go through that i mean somebody like Ame khan who i think wasn't matched very well he was faced he was matched with a succession of undersized smaller guys who offered no offensive threat after about the six seven bouts you want to fight different types of fighter. you want to fight somebody who's got who might be a bit dangerous might have an le- element of power but he might be a bit chinny or he might be a bit you know, he might have been had a long career and he's coming to the end of the days. You know, you you want to fight a succession of fighters who pose, and I think Bruno was matched poorly. Um, the fact that he only ever had he had, um, I believe, six title belts in his career is ridiculous. Uh, five world titles and one European title belt. I think you know he 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 regrets not. He didn't fight for the British title either. He he said he regrets. He really he, he regrets not fighting for the British title. He should have gone the traditional. The traditional route is yeah having more
2: world title fights than any other title. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He had he had five world title fights, a European fight, no other. He didn't have any Commonwealth bouts, no British, no British bouts, no no area level bouts, and I. Because
0: think... of the panto, was it in the way?
1: I I just I, you know sort of there there was a lot of competition at the time as as I'm sure you're. Uh, Sort of, uh, yeah, it was meant to
0: be a great era, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah. I was listening to more stories of not a sport podcast, but you had Chris Bird on it. Yeah, yeah. He was heavyweight yeah, 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 champion yeah. briefly, and they they were talking about different boxers, and they were talking about the era defining. You know, if there's a great era, then yeah. you know there's a great yeah. champion. Whereas if you know,
1: well, even even Chris Bird himself only won a world title. Well, he won his IBF title that he won. Uh, Lennox Lewis relinquished it under Don King's kind of. Uh, Suggestion, I believe. He got... A, he got a, I think he got some money for just dropping the belt and Chris mm-hmm. Bird pick, picked up a... Yeah, otherwise, Lennox Lewis was the, very much the man at the time. There's no way Chris Bird would have had any chance of defeating <laughs> uh, Bruno himself. It's often... I, and I, I'm a firm believer in today's climate, he would have been, you know, he would have been a lock for the top five and that's probably selling him short. I think he could have beaten anybody in today's... Uh, not just... That's not just South London bias seeping through or pure... Nat- I think. The Klitschko's? I, 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 think, I think, I mean, it depends. This version of Vitali that exists now, yes. Because right. the vit- version of Vitali which exists now is a, a wary man who's had many injuries and has re- had retired for four years. Vladimir yeah. Glad, Klitschko, under Emmanuel Stewart's Stewart, uh, <laughs> tutelage, uh, <laughs> uh, is, has become a, a much better fighter, but he's also very much a safety first fighter who knows his strengths. But he's got a very limited array of like shots that he throws. He doesn't throw
2: anything oh, I'll which is liable. <laughs>
1: but... <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I I definitely think Br- Bruno definitely could upset the apple cart today. Whether he would, whether he would have won. I mean, the fights. He, I mean, he had Tyson, he had Lewis. Mm. You know, these are two. You know, sort of. Ty- Tyson was a. Di- there was you know, sort of. It was a. Monster James Bonecrusher
2: Smith who stops his uh, streak. You know. Yeah, to... yeah,
1: and a, a fight he was winning comfortably as yeah. well, and even the thing is Bruno apart from the Tyson fights he's he lost twice to Tyson once in when Tyson was a monster who was just destroying everything in his past and would do so until he meant James Buster Douglas and the second time was kind of I think he'd let he'd Bruno allowed the idea of Tyson to get into his head it was it was his last bout as what turned out to be his last fight as well well the
2: first time he fights Tyson Tyson is possibly the most dominant Back yeah, yeah he's, he's, seen, isn't it? He was like a force of nature. I know, and I know,
1: and, and genuinely terrifying as well. Yeah, yeah. They th- that wasn't the first. He's time
2: definitely I've... the scariest sportsman there's ever been.
1: You said like he was one of the most fearsome sportsmen of all time. Or the, the most by far. Well, Mike, Mike Tyson. <laughs> on I think officially he's only supposed to be five ten. I think even I think the stats might have. You know, he, he might have grown a couple of. I think he's about. He could be even smaller. He's he's about five eight, five nine. He's, yeah, he's him It doesn't look like he, a. He isn't. It's not tall. And this no. not <laughs> big. We come down an issue of height because a lot of a lot of the time the the forums a lot of. Fans the Klitschko brothers, although they treat them like a tag team, even though it's an individual support. Yeah. They they they, they, like to, they think they're in, they think they're interchangeable, but they often hear you often hear reasons why Vitaly Klitschko would be any heavyweight. Oh, he's six foot 6 you tower over him. The idea that the idea yeah, that Pierc six foot
0: seven.
1: It's the idea. I mean, I understand his height and his you know his physical talents and you know sort of size plays a big part of how he. But Ty, I mean, Tyson was you know a small small heavyweight in terms. Mm. of... And you know, sort of, he was he was monstrous. But in 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 the other three, the point I was making in the other three bouts, he was he was either level or, or ahead on the scorecards by some distance. And it was just the fact that again, another point that a lot of people have raised, which is probably justified. He he had his in terms of physique, he had a bit of a bodybuilder's physique. He probably, he, I thought his physique for the first uh, for the tit first world title fight against Tim Witherspoon was right. He was about right. I thought he could have. I thought the towel might have been... I mean, it sounds absurd when I'm not the one being pummeled with clean shots on the chin by a, a big, big, big man. But I thought... You could take it. I'll be fine with But it is. But it's 11 rounds. He's well up on the scorecards and um, he's, he, he's been caught He's caught clean and he sinks to his knees. Now, I'm, I'm not sure whether... I think he's in, he's, the ropes are keeping him up and I think it legitimately can be called a knockdown, in which case Witherspoon is hitting a downed opponent. And I, his trap how comes in when the ref is trying to stop Witherspoon from unloading. Yeah, on yeah. A, on a, and I think, you know, who knows, maybe get him, get him through the route, see how, I mean, but again, his corner, it's very compassionate. I mean, I'm not, I, you know, he's Cornish. you know, sort of, they're involved with him personally. But I think, I don't know, I again. If I he said, dies,
0: he
2: dies, is what you're
1: saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think he might. Have but played. even
2: when Bruno uh, fights Tyson at his peak or, you know, a, yeah, a very yeah, young, yeah. hungry, scary Tyson. He rocks him. He
1: rocks him, sir. Echoing
2: uh, uh, R. Emery versus Clay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, 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 and at that stage, you're like, well, I, 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 you know, I don't recall it from watching it the first time round. But even watching it in retrospect and knowing the result, you're, I'm still shouting, you know, sort of, kind of you know, sort of. But the brew, idea, no, yeah, brew, no. But the idea, you know, I think, I think, yeah, yeah. It's, it's. He, he was a fierce environment in his day.
0: Worked at uh, Lonsdale in Brixton. Oh,
1: yeah,
0: making the belts. <laughs> 1995.
1: I yeah, it's a. It was a real event. If you look at it, you know, sort of, in terms of like sort of the pyrotechnics and the the and even even the I'll get to the aftermath later. But there was um, there was Ben Naz, ringside. It was a real golden eight. Ben shout. You could... I mean, it's all it's real and. There is, there, it's really emotional watching it because this is a guy who's 33. You know, he's he'll never. You know, I think he maybe maybe he's a bit, or even he he'll never get another chance to win the title. Uh, Oliver McCall had stoked the flames by making some pretty horrible remarks about leaving him in a vegetative state, as we've talked about earlier. And he he'd say he he basically said he was going to clean it. And McCall had gone. Um, McCall was a decent fight. Very, he's known as he, a phenomenal chin. Uh, the only time he was technically stopped, and it wasn't a real stoppage, I think he had a, a, dr- a drug problem. He drops his hands by his side against Lennox Lewis in their rematch, and he's actually crying this, this yeah. actually happens. And Lewis is just unloaded, like kind of half confused, but then starts unloading, and he he, he takes them. He's taking flush Why? shots, huh? Why? He, Why he's just I think he had a mental He's a okay, yeah. yeah.
2: But McCall... Bonkers. But McCall had beaten Lewis yeah, to win the title yeah, but yeah, yeah, with Bruno yeah. wins off him, So yeah. that must have been an additional thing for Frank Bruno yeah, yeah. sort of He would win be the back. lineal,
1: lineal champion. Yeah, 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 You know, he would be, you know, sort of... It was he beat a legit, the man, you know, be, yeah, who beat yeah, the yeah. man. And, uh, and it was... He, he even rocks, I'm sure he... As I said, I went, I've watched it countless times and I, I'm, I'm sure there were certain he, on a couple of occasions with some... He lands, he lands a variety of plays. He also is ridiculously dirty it has to be said the amount of rabbit punches he lands is just every time the clinch to the back of the head you know he could have ended up to the point but he's a he's a clear runaway winner but watching that last round was agony because there is nothing left he spends the duration doing what he'd never done in his career and just holding for dear life because his mouth his jaw is agape and he's got nothing left to give and you're just thinking, please don't let it happen again. Please don't let him sort of lose in the same circumstances. And it's just, as the, the moment the bell goes, you know he's done it. And, I mean, Nigel Ben somehow manages to lift him a whole, Yeah, he, he gets him, into the get, ring, doesn't he? he yeah, he lifts yeah. him a lot. There's Naz there jumping up and down. And it's such a wonderful era. And he, he, he got an open bus ride in... In central London. I saw a
0: photo of that yeah, yeah I mean that's incredible. massive Did you, see you get that if you win the or Ashes or Olympic gold medals yeah but yeah, he exactly. was uh, he's, he's a beloved figure
1: isn't he when you think of everybody who we discussed Cooper Cockle uh, who'd you'd come and gone and sort of you know sort of failed Joe Budner um, it was a big and Bruno in his own in his own sort of it was massive and it was such a you know it was one of one of the great sort of moments for me in sort of uh, yeah in sort of watching all the time being watching boxing
0: Gary Mason from Jamaica, stroke Clapham, was a stablemate of Frank Bruno's.
1: Yeah, who Frank Bruno famously said uh, he didn't like training as much as me, alluding to Gary Mason's kind of sort of he had he had many different sort of interests outside the sport. And um, Bruno was always magnanimous and said he had a lot lot of talent and he could have gone a lot further. had the had the misfortune again uh, of being in the kind of in, in an era of such you know sort of strong British heavyweights.
0: Um, but he was the yeah British heavyweight yeah, champion in '89. Yeah. I mean, he tragically, died in 2011, got uh, in a cycling accident in Wallington, which is uh, where he lived. But he only lost one fight in his pro career.
1: Yeah, to Lennox Lewis.
0: Is that the fight where he, had, he suffered the detached retina? No, well, that it, basically it, 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 ended his yeah, career, it, didn't it? Really? It,
1: yeah, I mean, it, it went again, but he'd he'd been suffering from problems with it before before that bout.
0: His last fight, Hassan, was again you know talking about boxing nicknames. Uh, Martin Foster, do you know what his nickname is? I don't know. Martin Bananas Foster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did you get to the bottom of that nickname?
0: Why? I didn't check it out, I presume he's just... It's high levels of potassium. Big yellow hands. <laughs> Gary Mason, I think, uh, his post-boxing career is an argument from making him the unluckiest man that ever lived. Sort of a Frank Grimes about him. He opened a jewellery shop called uh, Punch and Jewellery, I didn't take off, uh, Punch and Style clothing line. Also didn't take off. Made a TV show called Who Is Gary Mason? The TV pilot. Uh, shopped it around the networks. No one bought it. Yet. Moved to rugby. Played three games. Gave that up. He was a Sky commentator, but then he accidentally swore on air, so they dropped him. He went to the Canary Islands to promote arm wrestling. That didn't take off. And then he got a job as a hospital porter and got fired for flirting with ladies. And then he got hit by a van and died at 48.
2: Julius Francis of Peckham, at the age of 35, gets a shot against Mike Tyson. I mean, this is not the Tyson. Iron Mike most, Tyson. The very same.
0: Mike Loves. the Iron Tyson. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Loves the uh, nicknames. Francis... What's Julius
0: Francis' nickname? Julius Othello Francis.
2: They went on to play Othello, but gone. on. <laughs> uh, yeah, Julius Francis is not seen as a favourite for this fight. Uh, he makes about three hundred and fifty grand from the purse, but also uh, gets an extra bit of uh, cash by allowing a national newspaper to place their logo on the soles of his feet. The idea being that when he's definitely knocked out, they get a, a lovely shot on television. It pays Which off. Is- he, he loses in uh, two rounds. Uh, and he's, he's knocked over five times. I mean, it's like... <laughs> a chin, it? Just, it, I mean,
1: you know it, what? I
0: watched the video on YouTube and I didn't notice is the soles of his feet, so it can't have been that effective.
1: It's, it's Again, it's another one, it, it's, it's unfortunate that that's what it will be remembered for, obviously, because, I mean, it's the biggest part of his career, but again, another guy, another fighter, who's, uh, who won the Lonsdale outright, and he's a very, very credible win over Danny Williams, which is, you know, sort of something, it's not to be sneered at. In fact, I, I think he inflicted the first defeat of Danny Williams' career. Just another guy who went on a bit bit too long, as Williams is doing now, to, in fact, I think he's, he finished with more losses than he did wins, which isn't a fair reflection of somebody's, uh, you know, somebody who's good enough to win the Lonsdale outright It's probably not a fair reflection of their ability. So, uh, Danny Williams, the Brixton Bomber, one of my all-time favourite fighters. Again, um, heaps, heaps of courage, um, as uh, I mean, exhibited on countless occasions. Um, not always mentally right in some of the biggest bouts when he was fighting Tunnel Sam in for the European title, I believe, out in Germany, uh, sort of, he was, he was flawed, decked on several occasions, he just didn't look like he was, he was prepared for it, and often, often, some, there would be, a, without wanting to be mean, his his diet, and his trading regime, would seem, uh, would leave a, a bit to be desired, but, I mean, what, what sums him up for me, um, and what people, I think, would be remembered, uh, for, is the, the bout with Mark Potter, where he dislocates his shoulder, and he's clearly in agony. Did you watch this? No.
2: It's remarkable. He, his shoulders dislocates earlier in the fight.
1: Mm. Uh, but then later in the fight, it goes
2: again. So his right arm is hanging mm-hmm. at the side of his mm-hmm. body. He can't raise his right arm. Um, That's what I was going. And you can hear the commentators talking... Um, they're they're wondering why the towel isn't being thrown in. They're like maybe his corner doesn't know, but he's only raising one arm. The other and one's it's just quite hanging. visibly, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous, and <laughs> you can see the shoulder blades dislocated. Oh. And- it's not that it's not as gruesome; it's just remarkable. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but in, uh, the, the the commentators are pointing out his corner are, uh, are waving him on. <laughs> they going go on, get him. I can't. I've only got one arm. Or so you'd imagine. Uh, instead, uh, and it looks like it's just a matter of time until he gets caught. But instead, he knocks the guy out. <laughs> it's remarkable. I've never How's seen anything that. Like, uh, he 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 throws
1: a left and catches it, it, him. It's, it's remarkable. What's remarkable is that the na- obviously not um, apart from being in a in a whole heap of pain. I mean, imagine it. So this is the thing. thing. You can't defend yourself for a start. Yeah, you, you've got you one can't. You've got no rangefinder. You, you know, you've got no and uh secondly it's it's a very hard to generate power when you know you sort of cuz your the weight is yeah. going to be uneven so the man, the the, ma- the manner in which he managed to find that i think well, it, was also, a let was a it was a it was a tiger uppercut? Upper <laughs> it was it was a let, the man that i mean again you know it the way he throws his whole weight and he gives well, it to the Well, it's not even. The thing, thing is,
2: it's not even a proper uppercut no. because he because of the the way weight, his weight's thrown out by the the, the loose arm. Mm-hmm. He he can't throw the punch properly, but still managed to catch the guy it flush was, enough on was, the chin to knock him out. It was, but he's, he's taking punches before that as well because mm-hmm. obviously he covers up as best he can yeah, and he with the, holds as best he can. But
1: yeah,
2: yeah it's a remarkable work. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, uh, it's in- incredible. I mean, as I I thought that I mean the third do- knockdown might 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 not have been given by that stage Potter was gone and uh and that that for me just I mean he exhibited his his courage on several occasions but I think that was probably most uh, descriptive and, and illustrative of, the, of that I mean um, again we saw we saw his courage in the uh in the Tyson bout mm. and in the Klitschko bout one one obviously one he comes off sort of. the the Tyson bout he was set up as a kind of you know sort of about where Tyson would walk through this unheralded British fighter I mean he was, he was he'd already won the British title outright at that stage but he was unheralded he was expected Tyson was expected to walk through him and set up a a world title fight with Vitaly Klitschko as it happened he weathered a very early storm he took a, a lot of fearsome punches, and yeah nobody's trying to trying to say that that was Mike Tyson at his finest he'd already he'd been he'd been out of prison he'd, he'd you know he'd, he'd seen better days but uh to do what he did was just incredible. I mean, and the combinations that land, that finished the fight, were just sort of. He was a great offensive fighter, and a, a lot of people. Again, he's another another what if fighter. You know, another what if fighter where people think if he could just have been a bit more dedicated, focused. I mean, nobody denies his love of the sport. To this day, he's actually fight. He fights on, but not with a Brit. He hasn't got a British uh, um, license. He's he's fighting under a Latvian license currently. And it's it's not great because he's losing to guys that he would have blown out in half a round today. But he and apparently he's financially quite well off. It's just that he can't say goodbye to the game, and he just there is there's uh, just that one. Uh, and we we see it time and time and again. And people are just worried for his. He's actually fighting um, uh, a guy called Dominic Nagus, uh, who fought Audley Harrison in his third fight. He's kind of known to be like quite quite. Co- you know, he's a. A character outside the ring, like a dorm, and He's been on one of those hardest, you know, hardest man type of contests. So he, Danny, Willey, he, he just unfortunately he's uh, just just carrying on like.
2: Uh... It's a storied career. I mean, the Potter fight beats Tyson, fights Klitschko and loses. Um, but another uh, amazing scene in 2008, he's fighting uh, a German called uh, Konstantin Erich, yeah, Erich. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're fighting in, in Germany. Is
1: it? No, it's it's like it's in Spain, but okay. it's Ahmed Oner, who's a, a uh, who's Turkish born, but he's a German based, and I think he fought his entire career in Germany, and that's where he stages the majority of his promotions.
2: It's a controversial fight. Uh, Williams has three points deducted in rounds two and five. Um, he's given two standing eight counts by the referee in round three, despite not actually being knocked down or touching the canvas. Mm-hmm which uh, all seems odd. Um, he's counted after slipping uh, in round four. Um, in the sixth round, Williams unleashed a series of extremely punishing blows to his opponent, sending reeling across the ring. At this point, Irix promoter, Armour owner, controversially ran over and rang Haibu's bell himself to end the round and save his fighter, even though there was still one minute and 28 seconds left to go in the round. Despite this confusion, the fight continued after the short and six rounds, and after seeing this man who's always more hope for the next round, only eventually threw in the towel, handing Williams a victory. So, the guy's uh, getting beat, so the, it just rings the bell <laughs> to stop the fight. And you'd imagine at that point, It's like Dwight in the uh, 82 World Cup. But surely, it? that's the same as uh, throwing in the towel, isn't it? If you're stopping the fight, you're going, I don't want this fight to continue anymore. Actually, we'll just see how it goes after the towel, then, am I? No, that's defeatist. Yeah. South London's most recent superstar boxer, David Hay, would that be correct?
1: Yep, yep. Um, Two-weight champion, unified champion at uh, Cruiserweight. Some say undisputed, but they He was... does. <laughs> he does. Definitely uh, does. It, it, because it
2: depends Are you on... calling him a liar? We've <laughs> was... got to get hashtag beat up. It? That's the whole point <laughs> yeah. of this show, surely.
1: I'm sure they'll, be, uh, if this ever gets, yeah, well...
2: Jack can just cut it together <laughs> and have you <laughs> saying all sorts
1: of things, <laughs> isn't it? David Hay, uh, big fan. Um... He's, he's somebody who polarizes opinion, um, which is strange considering uh, five years ago when he was a cruiserweight, I would say he was universally loved, except for a small partisan section of Welsh supporters who were backing their man Enzo Macronelli. But he was known as a you know a fierce, fearless kind of. Uh, on as a casual throwaway remark, the boxing journalist Terry Dooley, who I believe is the finest boxing journalist currently, better than Bud Schulberg. Uh, active British. Oh, active British. Yeah. Okay. So um, he made British. Active <laughs> <laughs> alive. <laughs> I'm whittling it down. Yeah, yeah. Who's <laughs> uh, yeah? But, uh, no, he. And a throwaway remark on Boxrec. He said uh, if Hay had been you know, sort of around, you know, several decades earlier, you know, in a sort of a different era. He would have been forty and five, I he had been forty wins against five losses. And that wasn't a derogatory or pejorative remark trying to uh, sort of saying, you know, he would have lost it was basically saying he was a have gloves with will travel kind of mentality and that he wasn't afraid uh of just fighting anybody. And people genuinely believe that. He he travelled when he when he fought uh Jean Marc for the WBC WBA Ring uh, magazine cruiserweight titles he went when he went to uh France, he went to France to and he went to Paris, he, it was under there was no fanfare. There wasn't even Sky who'd broadcast every single one of his matches up till up till that moment decided they didn't, you know, didn't want to spend the money on on this uh, particular bout. On this picked
2: unification up. bout. Yeah. It was picked up. <laughs> on this world uh, title bite. Why would they it, that seems remarkable?
1: Yeah, I, and it was it was because he this is when Satanta were, you know, in their sort of overreaching, as it were and they bought uh, with twenty four hour notice. They bought the rights just uh, the and he. There were barely any fans taken up. There was like, hardly anything in the press. Even in 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 the conclu- the day after, there was no mention made of it on Sky Sports News, which is incredible considering he had been a Sky Sports fighter. He'd been like a re- He'd been very uh, you know. South London like Press probably t- did a couple of pages. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> But um, he was—he had eschewed, he—he hadn't—he um, hadn't signed for Frank Warren or any of the big promoters as he's normally. He'd gone his own. He'd signed very short agreements. He'd fight. He'd fought on Warren bills. He'd fought on Hobson bills, on Hennessy bills, and it basically he'd carved him and Adam Booth had carved their own path. His trainer Adam Booth had carved their own path for him, and it, he was—he was loved for this kind of fearless attitude, and he was also a very excited fighter. He'd stopped all of his opponents bar two. One, one was a twelve-pound, uh, twelve-round. A win for a European title. The other was his loss in his tenth fight to Carl Thompson, where he'd done the typical thing of a of an inexperienced fighter had done everything, throwing the kitchen sink at trying to get the old wily veteran to knock him out, had blown his uh, tank, and then Carl Thompson came on strong and he was stopped on his feet. But he was still loved, and it was still thought he'd go on to to do, to do great things. Uh, and
2: it does seem when he got to the heavyweight division, though, there's a sort of a change yeah. in attitude. He becomes more aggressive as a as a as an individual. Yeah. In terms yeah. of his you talked about his promotional. It becomes the but it's not just that it's not just in terms of his own self determination and promotion. He seems more aggressive towards the moment. So like when he's facing Valueev, he's uh very derogatory about Valuev's <coughs> appearance, when yeah, he's yeah. Uh, trying to taunt the Klitschko's, you know, that, that image of, as you well, say, decapitations. This,
1: it starts when He's because his fight again when he won the Cruiserweight titles against Mormac that was his last bout uh, for uh, Frank Maloney there, that was the end of their uh, agreement that he, and he wasn't obliged to fight for him again Frank uh, Maloney
2: uh, also from South London of course of
1: course and uh and in that he was there he was brave for numerous reasons, I mean he didn't have a lot of choice. He had to fight they they won Mormucks promotes won the purse bids. But there had been some controversy about Mormont's previous win against in the rematch against O'Neal Bell whether trying to pull all sorts of tricks. Even during the bout hay slips in the corner i I can't remember when it's on like a paper towel or just when the wet ring and he actually uses the ropes to prop himself up and while he's using the ropes rather misguidedly to bring himself back to his feet he's obviously both hands at his sides and he catches a a hook flush and he has to take a knee but after i mean he stops more in brutal fashion i mean it's a really it's listed as a tko but if you count it's probably actually a Mormack doesn't beat the ten count, in my opinion. After he wins those titles, he's he's with Satanta now, and kind of he's still he's still not earning buckets. He's not a household name, but he's he's living comfortably. He's a world champion. He's got a bit. First time he's had a bit of mainstream kind of press. His next fight is against um, Enzo Macronelli, where he, in the boxing press, that fight was billed as a fifty-fifty fight, and that was fans couldn't understand because nearly everybody overwhelmingly thought he was going to decimate. He'd he'd claimed he'd been struggling at the weight. He'd long term. He said he'd outgrown the weight. He couldn't make it any longer. And on the scales, just uh, as a little bit of mind games, he has a drink as he's dehy- He's rehydrating even before he stepped onto the scales. That's how confident. Waiting at the limit does an absolute job on him. He does. He's, the thing is about David Hay, a lot of people, especially at heavyweight, there's been a lot of criticisms about him, where they, they expect this fearless, because he talks the talk, as you pointed out, and he's, he said, I'll do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to le- render him unconscious, whatever, whatever. Ugh.
0: It's he, so hard your ancestors in uh, Wales are going to feel Exactly.
1: It. <laughs> he's always been somebody who's a, a counter-puncher. He's not an on-top... He will wait for openings. He, in the first round against Macronelli, his output was low. He won he you know, he's waiting until in, in the second round he was timing Macronelli over that lazy jab. Macronelli that's one of the thing biggest flaws with a lot of fighters is that they don't you know, the the jab is slowing coming back and he timed he lands them really and the the noise that these punches are making is quite sickening. And <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Foley, and uh, he but he's always been that way. He's even against uh against Goro when he won the european title he won it in it was a one shot he won it with one punch after 45 seconds but he's he's feeling them out he's not going in leaving himself open uh some early i mean, I mean there have been some i think he might even have some doubt about the the standard of his punch resistance but he's always been this way and he was fearless when he was a satanta fighter because he didn't have that mainstream validation. he didn't have that sky pay-per-view money which obviously he gets a massive share of. When Satant—he was actually billed to fight Vladimir Klitschko and Satanta was still there. There were even still—you can see the trailers on YouTube. They're—they're they're quite good. Um, but um, <laughs> unfortunately, the match never materialised because Satanta went under and Hay pulled out. Uh, and with a shoulder injury. With a back injury, back injury, that injury he too. claims. Nobody believe very few people believe. Him,
2: I, I do. Okay. <laughs> a- as, but as, Hassan thinks he's a liar.
1: As do I. Uh, but, um, <laughs> But a lot of people doubt whether the legitimacy of this injury. But I can understand why you wouldn't You wouldn't want to fight a guy who's a massive puncher without getting paid. You know, it's quite, yeah. it's a quite legitimate. Even if I was
2: getting paid, I'd probably have <laughs> without. He, it, I think
1: it was drawn up into the contract, which he later deemed a slave contract, that yeah. he was getting the British share of the, you know, he'd take kind of the... So he wasn't, essentially, he wasn't going to get paid. That's when the opening came for the David Hayder trash talker because he's now a recognised world champion. And Sky picking up, Sky picking up, And they build this big kind of... It suddenly turns into Ric Flair. Exactly, yeah. Well, it helps that he's got uh, a bit... This kind of sideshow... In in Nikolai Valuev, who's a bit, you know, something... Seven foot two. Even a lot of my friends will go, there's no way he can beat this guy, can he? And I, I was really, I was... Super well, the thing good. is...
0: You've been a big champion of Hay. For a job, long,
1: so. yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, there's two sides of it, isn't it? As you say, Hay's a counter-puncher, and the, the, the danger is, if Valuev does catch him, he's going to knock him out, isn't he? Because oh. of the size of it. <laughs> but, as you say, Hay's also very good at reading the jab, working around, and the, you know, speed and mobility is going to be on his side. Yeah, it? yeah. I mean... Can't just hit and then run mm-hmm. round him?
1: Essentially, that's what he does. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the tactics he wanted to employ, but unfortunately, broke No, his... I mean, literally,
0: like a 360.
1: Oh, <laughs> <and> Just like <laughs> Betty Hill style, yeah, sort of, yeah. Hill style, slapping him around the ring. <laughs> it's sort of, uh, I mean, again, he, he drew a lot. There was a lot of criticism that went his way for A, uh, failing because he was for pulling out of the Vladimir Klitschko fight, and then for the manner in which he engaged Valuev. I mean, he, even though he rocked him with that left hook to the, to the kind of the neck. In the last round, and visibly, visibly wobbled him, which not a lot of I think yeah. value ever had. You're really. chopping
2: at a tree, aren't you? Saying yeah,
1: yeah, and it's a lot of people don't appreciate. I mean, when I, every, every I mean, I often see people who are hyped before a fight, and they're doing their shadow boxing routine. Yeah, nobody ever punches up to punch up mm. considerably. David Haye's is about six three. He's yeah. got a pump. He's got to reach the jaw of somebody who's seven foot two. It's a very difficult. And yeah, you are just
2: exposing your chin, yeah, aren't yeah. you? There's no way to, mm-hmm. well, you
1: know. But I, I, again, he, I, th- I think his output, he could have, he could have thrown more punches,
2: but yeah. His output in terms of uh, smack talk, however, is hmm. unparalleled. Before the fight, uh, Hay says uh, about Valuyev, he is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. I've watched Lord of the Rings films uh, and films of strange-looking people, but for a human being to look like he does is pretty shocking. Is that accurate? I have never seen this guy. Yeah, he is. Uh, he does look like an ogre, doesn't he? Shouldn't they have their own weight division? Well, this oh. is the thing. This is what we talk about the heavyweights having no upper limit. Hay is the only boxer in the history of sport to be seven stone or more lighter than the opponent in a world title fight and still come out victorious.
1: Um, basically, Audley Harrison... I mean, David Hay always said, I'm never going to fight the guy. It's not going to happen. And Harrison had done nothing of note to merit a fight with him. Um and then, rather farcically, uh, Michael Sprott, Audley Harrison, got made for the European title. Harrison was losing. Uh, it was actually a rematch. Sprott had knocked him out uh, um, earlier in uh, in two rounds, I believe. Actually, s- spark, spark, you know, left him unconscious. And Harrison was losing the uh, the rematch. He'd, he'd hurt a pectoral muscle, I believe, and he was essentially one-handed as well. And out of nowhere, he finds a bingo punch in the 12th and knocks Sprott clean out and gets his revenge and wins the european title and from there on in it becomes suddenly something at the time i think um Audley harrison had some involvement with eddie hearn who obviously is son of barry hearn uh who you know matron promotions matron provides sky with 17 percent of their output so you know they've got more t- a say that goes you know and a sway that goes beyond boxing um and that fight was made on the basis of you know sort of what if people have always you know sort of uh, focused on Hayes frailty and Woody and people showing clips again of Sprott being knocked out and could, you know, what if Audley Harrison just land that bingo punch would, would Hayes stand up to it uh, and they people saw People ask like, the
2: question, if he just punched him in the face <laughs> what would happen? <laughs> exactly. People don't realise how boxing We're yeah. going, okay. what if someone just hit someone there was no context to it
1: the end. And the idea was what he landed, obviously, because mo you know, sort of, uh, uh, sort of a figure who could sway in and out. But stop it, slapping your fire. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll okay, co- yeah. Um, go yeah they, they, so they have the Hayby, fire, Hayby, and He does. Figure. He moves.
2: He doesn't just stand there and get fit. Well, um, well. Throwing uh, Harris, all in, his preparations out the window. In his, in his
1: credit, yeah. I don't want to defend him too much because the bout shouldn't have been made. It was clearly made because of money. It made him a lot of money. In fact, it was the last. Prior to Froch Kessler in May, it was the last pay-per-view fight. Derek Chisora in the aftermath famously said he killed pay-per-view for British fighters because it was such a stinker. What happened is in the first two rounds, barely a punch is landed. In fact, Harrison threw a single punch in the fight. Uh and there's nothing that happens. There's basically Hay Hay I mean, hey a lot of people want to say that this fight was fixed because in the aftermath Hay told Hay claims, Oh, I told everybody to bet on the third, and a lot of people said they'd conspired and it was a fix actually what it was it was i don't think he could work his way inside hay needs something to come back off he needs as i said he needed something where he could count he's, he's a natural count in the third round he just thought he lunges in and he, he leaves himself open but he catches and at this st- stage harrison is terrified i mean you know i mean i don't like saying that for boxers probably offend but he he's he's been more cautious than usual hay catches him and it's all over. Once he gets, he hurts him, he puts him down. Goes in for another flurry. Third round. The referee bring, uh, brings. It is one-sided. He'd always insisted he would be one-sided. But the fact that Harrison had barely what people perceive put up an effort. He didn't put up an effort. He hadn't thrown back. He hadn't committed himself. And it all goes back to that thing where you know we the sort of the the display of courage. It's the idea that you know you want you you know we us being desensitised and thinking when it's Audley Harrison exposing himself to a massive puncher. But, but Audley that's... Harrison's
2: reputation at this point is pretty low because he's he's taken a million pounds off the BBC for yeah, a series uh, that, yeah, yeah, of, of yeah, yeah. fights, Underwhelming. all of which are His first terrible. fight,
1: I'm pretty sure Beverly Knight's rendition of the national anthem lasted longer than the fight itself. <laughs> yeah, it's Mike Middleton, I remember it very... Uh, yeah, it was against a private detective, basically, who doubled up. As a bit of, he was a bit of. A,
0: did he come know. into the ring wearing a Mac? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah he, he came in as Peter Fork. Yeah, <laughs> <laughing one>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he just um, one bag. Yeah, he as you said, Steve. He uh, what did he win in the Olympics? Gold, gold medal. Oh, he won gold. 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 Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the thing that was, it's amateur, isn't it? It's like yeah. signing a striker that's scored eighty goals in non-league. But you know,
2: obviously, there are fighters who have won uh you know... Uh, Muhammad Staley, Ali, yeah. Yeah, won a gold medal. It's not necessarily, you know, you no, can make that transition. Yeah, but but it, it's He was living such, off that, wasn't he? Yeah, and it. it's such a bad, you know... And we talked about earlier with other fighters in terms of uh, matching opponents. And he's overmatched every single time. It's, it's the, the safest sequence of uh, fights. For, for the profile of the fights. Yeah, it's ridiculous,
1: yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it's... He's kind of, There's been a bit of a... I think people are starting to appreciate that. I mean, he's had he's had a devastating loss since the Hay fight, but he keeps keeps going. He keeps rebuilding, and there, there's there's a spirit that's to be admired because he's he's quite bullish and he will get to where he needs to be. And I kind of admire that, despite and the idea that he's you know sort of I, I mentioned that he was frightened, and I think that's that's probably the wrong word because he continues to get into the ring, and he's I mean. I, he, and he puts himself on the line. He's put himself in. He put himself in the price uh, in the ring with David Price, who's a massive puncher, and David Price cleaned him out in one. It was actually quite sick. He knocked him out on the clean out. You know, while he had his guard up. But you know, it, it takes. I, I don't think people appreciate the courage that it takes to continue to get to dust yourself down. And uh, I think there's there is some goodwill. There is some goodwill towards Audley Harrison now that he he just sold soldiers on. Hayes' reputation had already he'd already pulled out a fight with Vladimir. He'd, um, he'd, his negotiations with Vitaly came to an abrupt end when he decided to fight Faliwev so he could get a title and come back to the table with, and then his reputation fell, fell even further with the, uh, the Harrison debacle and then came the, finally he signed on the line to fight Vladimir Klitschko and, uh. And we you all, told me he was going to win us, and I remember... Didn't, I never said that. Yeah, you I said never he was said well that.
0: good at boxing.
1: I never... Do you know, I mean, we we added this out, because I've i been wrong before, but I even said to my mate Gordon, i um, will go give a Gordon can verify. Gordon, <laughs> Gordon can verify, because Gordon... <laughs> Gordon, yeah, I mean... We've we'll we'll got in. Gordon there. Gordon, come <laughs> on. <Gordon, out. laughs> I was watching... I watched that in Kensington, in High Street Ken with Gordon, and two people I've never met, two Gordon's friends. And I was... You know, like when you, you want to be quite calm and suave and, you know, like, sort of... But I was just being hysterical. It's him. <laughs> It's, it's him. Him. Essentially. It, his children. When, it, when he landed that huge punch, I was off my seat and I was just... Uh, I was just shouting... Because he, I think the problem, when he was a Santana fighter, he had more of a kill-or-be-killed attitude. Nobody knew who he was. He had nothing to preserve. You know, he didn't have a reputation. He wouldn't have been a figure of fun. He would have—he would have had a back state. There would have been a back page story where you know, sort of plucky Brit loses. That would have been the end of it. He could have. When he when he went to Sky, he transitioned. He became a media sensation. He he had a profile. Murdoch and ruins then, everything, doesn't he? <laughs> and then, then he suddenly had dreams and aspirations outside the ring. I.e., you know, sort of he's talked. ...several times about going to movies, you know... Has sort of, he? Of, yeah, yeah, he wants to
0: Ladies do. love him as well, don't they? Yeah.
1: I think he's he's got something to preserve now... ...and I, I think... I think in the... ...you know, I think the... ...hay of fold would have... ...would have probably have gone, gone for broke... ...and probably would have been defeated... I, ...I always think he... ...I couldn't see how he'd find his way inside that... ...it's all well and good saying... ...negate the jab, but... ...how do you do it? It's not something that's robotic... ...it's something that he varies in speed... It's sometimes it's a rage finder, Sometimes it's something that he uses as an actually offensive tool to kind of numb you. It's such a and the fact is he doesn't throw he doesn't throw hooks. He doesn't throw uppercuts. From he doesn't throw anything that would leave him up, up uh, exposed until he's pretty sure you're tenderized. As in when he defeated Eddie Chambers and then he knocked him out in the twelfth with a with a left hook, I believe. But he doesn't he doesn't leave himself open.
0: But this uh fight with Klitschko didn't he have a broken toe or something, or that was another one where people the next day people were ridiculing him.
1: Yeah, because he got his toe out. Uh fighters don't they don't like excuses. they I mean,
0: Yeah, but the thing they, is there are reasons sorry, as well as excuses, like... aren't there? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, mean, I mean I don't know. i have know nothing about he, it. I'm
1: sure I'm sure he couldn't have planted his foot with the weight he'd like to have. Whether I whether he should have played I think I think in most circumstances, I mean I I'm a big fan of his and I fail to see how he defeats? I still think he can take Vitali now, and I don't want to see you know so it's come across some sort of unbeliever. But I I just don't see how I think I don't see how he uh, how he beats. He landed he landed a, two two really good clean shots on Klitschko, and you know. But I I don't I don't really really see how he bests him. I mean, a lot of British fans in the forums were the idea that he will connect, Klitschko will go, Vladimir will go over. That's the end. Hayes, the unified champion, he can walk up in the sunset. I didn't understand that mentality. I uh, still don't, but I hope he comes back. He said he will. He's fighting this July uh, in, in, the, uh, in Manchester again for some reason. So, uh, in, in, as yet an unnamed opponent.
0: Oh, I did wonder. I went on his website uh, accidentally earlier today <laughs> and he just said David Hayes returns and it had like, the date and stuff, and, but no opponent. I was like, <laughs> like, it don't matter who it is. <laughs> well, peop-
1: people are buying tickets. That's just goes to show what a drawry is. People yeah. are buying tickets without an opponent being...
2: Well, he does put on a show, doesn't he? I mean, he uh, loses to Vladimir Klitschko, uh, Derek Tazora loses to Vitaly Klitschko, but at the Fair post-fight, <laughs> at the post-fight uh, press conference, David Hay turns up to he's basically... There, he's ha-
1: working for Bottoms Nation, yeah.
2: Yeah, but he, he, he has a little go at uh, Derek Tazora, and they have a bit of an argument. What, what's the, the source of it? Uh, I think mean, basically they're mocking one another for their relative losses to <laughs> well, and, uh what
1: but, starts it off is um, Klitschkos promoter Ber- uh, Bonte yeah he starts telling uh,
2: David Hay he, hey, you, you're you're out of the picture yeah, you've yeah. got nothing to offer his, us his
1: line was uh, Derek showed his heart David you showed your toe so that's what
2: his line was
1: <laughs> I'm not so, but, laughing at you David but,
2: yeah. but rather than having a go at the promoter uh, David Hay uh, swings at Derek Chisora with what appeared to be a glass bottle in his hands and, yeah um, then uh, there's a bit of a fracas uh, David Hay picks up a camera tripod <laughs> and swings that at Derek Chisora um, they uh, managed to break them both up at this point Derek is furious um, two men walking states... past the a piece of glass they go through that <laughs> uh, Derek Chisora states uh, multiple times that he will shoot David Hay um, and claim that Hay glassed him
1: there, there are some there are some actually good details that I mean previously um Derek Chisora is sitting at, is at, at, with, next to the Klitsch clan, his promoters there at the table, you know, in front of the cameras. And then to, to, when he's got, got, he's got into this spat with Hay, he's, uh, he's, got, he's got down from the podium, he's walking towards Hay, he takes off his jacket and he says, you, you can hear it because it's all been filmed and, like, and several, not just cameras, but on camera phones as well. And he turns around to his, to his uh, trainer and he says, stand behind me, stand behind me. Now, this is a guy in the last week, he slapped Vitali Klitschko at, uh, at the weigh-in, like, or he spat in Vladimir Klitschko's face. He's so Chizora, you know that he's you know he's he's a, he's a loose cannon, and mm. and David Hayes, understandably like sort of. I'm not, I don't justify hitting him in the face while I'm holding a glass bottle. I mean, you know that to me is, but he hits, he hits as as Steve said, he hit him in the face. Now, I mean, he claims he knocked him out. I'm not, I I don't really because. Hey, Chizora comes quickly. Great detail though. When he swings that camera tripod, he misses Chizora and successfully he, he su- succeeds in hitting his own trainer who
2: thinks yeah. Chizora has glassed him. Well, yeah, Adam, Adam Booth emerges yeah. for Echo with a facial wound. Yeah. Chizora actually. says to Booth that Hay hit him with a bottom one mistake, while Booth insists it was one of Chizora's entourage. Yeah. Um, during an interview at the Chizora v. Hay press conference, Booth was asked, how did you end up with a cut on your head? To which he replied, David hit me with a tripod. Yeah. Also added, he bought me a new S-Class Mercedes as an apology. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. That's how you say you're sorry, isn't it? Yeah. A- S-Class. S for sorry. <laughs> did you write that down in your notes? S for sorry? Yeah. No, that's uh, freestyle. That's off the top but of the dome, sir. Yeah? That skirmish
1: might still have massive implications for British boxing. No more
2: tripods. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, but... Um, Plastic
2: glasses. As a,
1: as a result... Um, this at this time that um, David Hay doesn't have a license to fight in Britain. He's already handed in because he's officially retired, as he said he he always maintained he'd retire before his thirty first birthday. How as we know now, because he's fighting in a month, he doesn't have a license? Derek Chisora has his license taken away indefinitely now. Um, for spitting? Well, no, for, for, for everything. Yeah. You know, multiple uh, events. Yeah, you know, for threatening to physically shoot somebody. Uh, physically shoot. Physically him. shoot. <laughs> The psychological threat is too people <laughs> Ignored.
2: <laughs> I will shoot you in your mind. So
1: <laughs> physically shoot you. Uh, uh, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a classic line. Um, but yeah, they're both unlicensed. So they're they both get... unlicensed. So and the British uh, Boxing Board of Control uh, make
2: it clear they don't want this fight to take place. Yeah, eventually.
1: and and so to skirt to, to you know to get around this because this is a very lucrative match where everybody can make a lot of money and submit. Uh, they go, they uh, fight, they contest the, on uh, Luxembourg, uh, by the Luxembourg Boxing Council. And but they, fortunately,
2: they... They, they managed to find a venue in London uh, whose owners are so uh, greedy and corrupt that they'll just allow any un- virtually unlicensed boxing to take place. Upton, Upton Park. Upton Park. <laughs> they, uh, they fight the bowling grounds because uh, even though the British Boxing Board of Control made it clear they don't want anything to do with it and they have to go to Luxembourg to get a licence... Uh, uh, the West Ham owners are like please come along we'll make our money by any, any means any means, any means we, uh, if we can get can we get a stadium built by the uh, state please that we're <laughs> yeah. not going to actually uh, or... pay towards just um, yeah heinous people <laughs>
1: <laughs> well some people say there was a bit of uh, it was a bit strange that the BB obviously would take such a moral high ground when Lex Lewis had been involved in skirmishes at press conferences where punches with, with Tyson, famously. Mm. Also, uh, it's an
2: odd, 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 odd organisation whose uh, remit is to organise fights who sort of go, we're not taking on this violence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to be seen to be condoning yeah, yeah. acts of violence on one person <laughs> or another. You do, but you just want the circumstances to be slightly different. No tripods. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. But the the match takes place, but it's, it, it's, it's a really entertaining bout. Um, and... It ends in in pretty uh, spectacular fashion, where uh, a if they short... both
0: punch each other and it frees from
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what happens. No, uh, uh, again, um, it goes uh, to the fifth round. Yeah, it goes it goes to the fifth, and it is competitive, even yeah. though sort of you can see that Dell is a quite rudimentary uh, kind of pressure fighter. Dell, Just, sorry. Just, yeah. <laughs> Uh, pick, pick your favorite why not? Chisora is a, quite a rudimentary kind of pressure fighter, and he, hes and I—I I mean, his his trainer said he'd never seen him that state when that left landed. And I—I I, I, the round before, I embarrassed myself by saying, "Hey, his power hasn't quite translated to the heavyweight division." And I, is I still, it, that is embarrassing. I still—I still, <laughs> I, I still, I, I still <laughs> insist he he isn't quite the same level of destructive puncher that he was. At the, I mean, sufficiently to yeah. stop a guy who Vitaly Klitschko couldn't put a dent in, who'd never been... St- oh, Robert Hellenius, for that matter. It was, yeah, it was um, brutal stuff. And um...
0: He won, yeah?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've
0: had no time to talk about Der- Terry Dunstan or Howard Eastman, Richard the Secret Williams. If you're going to buy anything from Amazon, go to com first. Anything you want to recommend? Hassan, boxing books?
1: Uh, Four Kings, George Kimball, probably. Yeah, yeah it's really, really good, isn't it? Amazing, amazing, yeah.
0: Go to savlonhardcore.com for a load of related uh, boxing clips. Twitter at slhc. Thanks for coming, asan And I think uh, you've sort of beat us by a technical knockout, haven't you?
1: Well, it's it's my speciality, isn't it? I don't want some mad Sardinian coming and beating yeah. seven bells out. Risky home. doing a boxing match. Yeah, yeah, we should have done something like it,
0: curling. Was, music, music hall, slag anyone yeah. off the <laughs> head. <laughs>